Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Hey, we're here. It's November 2010. Welcome to the big show. We are both sick. Oh, it's okay. We're getting sick because of the race. Not that it's too much. Anyway, look, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. We have big unloads. We've got the Yankees. Eric Shear. Contract problems. Mariano Rivera. Contract problems. CC doesn't win the Cy Young. How much is it going to take to get Cliff Lee? We'll talk about all of it in the opening big unload. And then we're going to talk about the Mets. We're going to talk about the Mets with SNY Mets blogger Patrick Flood, who writes a great SNY Mets blog called PatrickFloodBlog.com. He's going to come in and talk all about the Mets hot stove stuff, the manager choices. They've narrowed it down to four. They've all been interviewed. We're going to get into Mets hot stove, hot and heavy. And then after that, after we have Patrick on, we're going to talk about the Giants. They have a huge showdown Sunday night with the Philadelphia Unbeatable Eagles. I think that's their new name. And Michael Vick, who had a so-so performance last Sunday, so I'm made to understand. We'll talk about the Jets. We'll talk about the NFL. We'll talk about baseball. We have the Fantasy Five with Dave Rutley. We have the Swami nay Count Broccoli with his picks on the week. Dr. E. Ray is back in the house. I can't pull off in the house, but that's okay. We are Cal and Sam Pete. It's Tuesday night. It's 9 o'clock. We are ready to unload. All right. And welcome to the show, everybody, here on November 18th, 2010. I am one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro, otherwise known as Sam Pete, and just getting over. A six-day bout with the flu, which beat the crap out of me. But I'm feeling a little better today and feeling well enough to do uh, what is a really, really big show. And for this really, really big show, I want to welcome in my good friend, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in Leanne Rhymes, Brian <laughs> Calneva, Calvi, Cal State Fullerton. How are you, sir? Well, you're just getting over the bout with the flu. I think I'm just embarking on the bout with the flu. So we sound like <laughs> a mass unit. This is yeah. not, uh, but the flu mass unit. What? Oh boy, it's rough in here. But I'm glad uh, you made it, pal. What's going on? Did you get a little sick this week? You get a little uh, tutu guts like I got? A little bit. You know, it's the kids, the changing in the weather, the kids. You know. All right. So you're blaming your children. Global warming. <laughs> and, the and holidays are coming. <laughs> You're blaming you're blaming the environment. Everybody. You're blaming your children, right? Uh, that's that's all good. These are all likely scapegoats. And before we scapegoat anybody else, well, you know, speaking maybe, of scapegoats, maybe this is right. Let's welcome in our producer and the uh, the third man in penalty, uh, Doctor E. Ray Stat Ev Eisenberg. Welcome back to the show. It's been it's so good long. To be back, and I'm in perfect health. <laughs> That's right. Thank goodness. <laughs> hey, who's the doctor here? That's I, I right. it's been 
It's been so long since you've been on the show, uh, Ev, that I felt a walk-in introduction was necessary. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. It's fine. Good to be back. It's great to have you. Uh, we have got a ton to get to tonight. The number to call, 424-220-1817. Ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete. New York Sports Talk Show. Talking sports with you, not at you, etc., etc. So now, here we are. Cal, welcome to the show here on November the 18th. We do have a live football game going on in the NFL. The Dolphins and the Bears happening right now. Dr. Ure is keeping an eye on that. Dr. Ure, do you have a score for us? An early score in that ball game. Doctor Three nothing Bears. Thank you, Cal. <laughs> no, he he put it up. Check your oh, there screen. It is. Three nothing Bears. He didn't want to come on and say that? No. Well I, well Cal, before we get to the Yankees and Derek Peter <laughs> and the <laughs> he, he's shy. He's a shy Chiron. Shy, shy. <laughs> before we get to Derek Jeter and the Varsity. Mm. Uh, Cal, how was your week? Everything going well? It's been 10 days since we've spoken uh, via the show. Right. I'm I'm wondering how you're doing. I'm wondering how the family is, other than being a little under the weather. Uh, Besides being under the weather, everybody's great. Yes. Did you uh, have pasta on Sunday? Of course. Did you have uh, spaghetti? Is Sunday spaghetti day at the Calvi household? It depends. It could be spaghetti. It could be Zita. Ziti. It could be Zita. It could be Zita. Could be Zito. Barry Barry Zito, Zito sometimes stops by. No, he's yeah. not he's certainly not pitching. <laughs> That's yeah, it's like Jita. That's why I said Zita. That's right. Well, let's jump right in. I'm glad to hear it. I just wanted to find out if Sunday is Prince Spaghetti Day for you. It is what about when, I thought Wednesday was. Wednesday. <laughs> Friday's like pizza day, right? right? Friday you always order the pizza. Wednesday, Anthony. You usually the get father would call <laughs> That's right. Usually get pizza from Branch and Ellie's on Friday night, right? All right. Uh Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. The phone lines are open. We're going to jump right in and talk about the New York Yankees and Cal. Derek Jeter is the big story. Is he? What's happening? Oh, I'm looking at the back page of the Daily News right now, and it says, "Hinting Jeter has no other options." Yankees tell captain to get real. <laughs> I mean, could you get more dramatic? You could if they said that, like, uh, you know, Hal Steinbrenner was pregnant with Derek Jeter's baby. But right. only then. Or Yanks to Jeter. Drop well, dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I'm waiting for. Yanks to Jeter. Drop dead. No, but, Cal, there's a story that leaks today. I believe it was Joel Sherman, correct, in the Post? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who leaks the story that the Yankees are set to make an offer for three years and $45 million. Uh, to Derek Jeter. Everybody around this cow says that's not accurate. Look, we've been talking about this on the show for a couple weeks. He's actually a free agent. I, I, I feel like there are some Yankee fans that won't even admit that. Well, it, like just, he, the, could, he could conceivably talk to another team. Yes. The thought of him even talking to another team is outrageous. I mean, for any, any baseball fan, when you think about it, it's Derek Jeter. You don't expect him to do anything other than be with the Yankees. But you're right. Technically, he's a free agent. So do you think there's any truth to this offer that Sherman is talking about? I mean, three years, $45 million seems like a good starting point, does it not? Well, that's, you know, and that's the thing here. You have to remember when a free agent is, is negotiating with the team, it's a negotiation. It's you know? Right, that's right. Right, both, both teams, both sides are going to come to the table with their number, and then the idea is to meet in the middle somewhere. I've Correct? Always- uh, yes, and I've always wished or dreamed those negotiations would go something like Derek Jeter sitting across the table from Hal Steinbrenner and being like, look, I'm thinking of a number. 
And then he and then he takes out like a little post-it and writes it. And slides it across folds, the table. Folds it in half and slides it across the table. <laughs> I'm thinking of a number. I don't think that's how it works. It'd be awesome if it did, though. It would be. But the bottom line is, if if that report is accurate, and the leaks, you know, in the age of Twitter, the leaks are just getting ridiculous. Let, let me just get that out on the table. Right. Um, if it's three years, $45 million, that's perfectly acceptable as a starting point, and it's not something that the Jeter camp should be insulted at. No, I totally – I mean, I don't – could they insult him with an offer? Like they're well, they saying, could be, I mean, they they're, could. they're not going to offer him $5 million a year. I mean, that's not going to be the starting point. But at what point does Derek Jeter and, – and you know what you have the discussion of, Cal? I'm sorry I'm jumping all over the place, but the discussion of the brand has come up. The Yankee brand. And what is, who is it more important to? Is it more important to the Yankees to have Derek Jeter? Or is it more important for the Yankee or, or for Derek Jeter to have the Yankee brand? Well, I got one for you. How about the Derek Jeter brand? Right. Derek well, Jeter has built this brand of exactly. being loyal, you know, uh, Yankee for life. Look, they're mutually beneficial because you you have a situation where Derek Jeter over the last 15 years has been the absolute model citizen representing the Yankee brand as the Yankees have become this global uh, Manchester United, uh, th- this invaluable franchise, Derek Jeter has been the greatest possible role model you could ever have. So yeah. he is inexorably linked to the Yankees. He's also, you know, uh, he's benefited from being a Yankee too. But let's keep in mind, when Derek Jeter gets there in 95 or 96, they haven't won anything in 14 years. And the Mets own the town. For much of the 80s. So the, the Yankees become prominent and the dominant brand again with the emergence of Derek Jeter. So these two sides have to reconcile this idea that they've both been invaluable monetarily and uh, brand-wise to each other. So, Cal, my question to you is, what's the price of that? What does that cost you if you're the Yankees? Does it cost you three years and sixty million? I don't know. It, because then the other thing you hear is that what the Yankees are going to do, and I, I don't know if it was Randy Levine that came out and said this or Brian Cashman, they want to pay him based on his baseball talent, not anything else, not what he means to the team, and not ten not years his, ago, not his legacy, not ten. Right? They want to pay him appropriate to a thirty-six-year-old shortstop. He's going and to be 37 produced, during the season next year and hit 265 right. this year and is coming off his worst statistical year. I don't know what the price is, and, and it's going to be very interesting to see. Now, I, I think we can all agree, and somebody stop me if I'm crazy, we can all agree Derek Jeter is going to be a Yankee next year. Okay? So when Derek Jeter is a Yankee next year, it's going to be very interesting to see at what price it ultimately becomes. Right now, I couldn't tell you what the, what the right price is. Is that a given? Cal? I, I think it is. Steve. Is that an absolute? I would You're not... telling me there's no way, no way if the negotiations go horribly wrong. You're talking about two very ego-filled, and, and, and Derek Jeter is not a, a huge ego guy. That's not what I mean. But you're talking about two uh, entities with a ton of pride, a ton of pride. You couldn't see a scenario where the Yankees insult Jeter to the tune 
or, or to to the limit where he goes and listens to somebody else? Where he goes and li- yes, where he goes and listens, yes. Well, if he's going to go and listen, that means he could go somewhere else and play. He's never. I I don't believe. Maybe there's a one in a million chance he would ever play for another team. All right. So if we're going on, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I I think it's. I would put it at less than one in a million. Okay. I would put it at I would put it at like one in one hundred thousand. It's still not so, the greatest odds in the world. So you're saying there's a chance. That's precisely right. But I, but I, I think if it ever got to a point where he even entertained an offer from somebody else, then all bets are off. You think? Then all bets are off because that says if he even entertains an offer for, from somebody else, that means he's thinking about he could play for somebody else. See, I think that that's the way. That's the only way that this could go. I could see the Yankees. Um, doing something to insult Jeter. I don't think that Jeter is going to do something to um, upset the Yankees in this negotiation where the Yankees say, you know what, take a hike. Right. No, no, certainly not. I can see it the other way where, you know, Randy Levine opens his mouth one too many times and says, and says something. And Jeter says, wait a minute, let me go see what's out there. Let me listen. Right. I can see that happening. Do they, uh, and, and the phone lines are open on this, folks, 424-220-1817. We have uh, Patrick Flood from uh, Patrick Flood blog uh, on SNY uh, coming up at 930 around there. But, Cal, I, I understand that. I don't think it'll ever be the Yankees walking away either. I think it would be Jeter going for leverage himself. Right. But, you know, this is interesting to me because, and we open with the Yankees for this reason. We thought it would be all about them trying to – how much money are they going to throw at Cliff Lee? Like, you thought that was their entire offseason. So you didn't even think that Derek Jeter, who said that this would never be an issue, who said that he would never talk about it during the season, he made good on that. You didn't even think it would get to the point where he filed. But he has. Things are not – they're not uh, tense right now. I wouldn't call negotiations tense. But people are – each side is lobbing shots back and forth or whatever. Well, what, what I will say is I think the media is just chomping at the bit to make this into oh, a huge, huge story. Of course. And it's so transparent what they're doing. And it's not the story that you think that it would appear to be if you look at the back page of the Daily News and it says, get real. Right. Of course. No, I mean, they're taking every little thing that both camps say and, and completely magnifying it to yeah. a point where they have a story. I mean, I get that. But, but you know, in, Steve, what, do you think that what the media is doing um, could be forcing somebody's hand in this? Like, do you I think, think so. one, you think one of the sides is feeling pressure now to maybe come out and say something? Like, like Randy Levine said today where, you know, Derek Jeter is a Yankee and, and he's been great to us, but we've also been great to him. Look, I feel, like, I feel like both sides feel the way you do, Cal, deep down in their hearts, in places they don't talk about at parties. That they want Jeter on that wall. I mean, there, there's no. They, they. I think they both see it as he's never going to play for somebody else. I think. Well, I think that there might be a little. I hate to call it Yankee arrogance. Let's let's call it Yankee confidence. <laughs> All right, let's call it Yankee confidence that they don't think that Jeter would ever do that. So right. so they've got that in their back pocket as they negotiate. Right. They also, but he's got he's got some you know, he's got things up his sleeve too, Cal. I mean, they they would love to see Derek Jeter be the first Yankee to get three thousand hits in a Yankee uniform. Oh yeah, I Absolutely. mean that's if you don't think that's huge. Look at the, 
affair that was him breaking Lou Gehrig's hit record. I mean, so, you know, look what they're going to do and becoming the all-time Yankee hit leader or whatever. Look at what they're going to do when he gets 3,000 hits in a Yankee uniform. Don't think Derek Jeter doesn't know that. And don't think that Derek Jeter doesn't think that's worth an extra $5 million a year to do that. Look, again, I think we both feel that he's going to be back. And the fact that it's even on the back page is just as a tribute to how the New York media can do this. <laughs> you know. They need can, to talk about something. Yeah, can make a story where there is none. But, Cal, let's have a little fun because we have a radio show. That's what this is all about, fun. Right. We're, I want to get to Cliff Lee in a minute, the, the courting of Clifford Lee by the general manager, Brian Cashman. Cliff Lee. Which is what? Well, I'm calling it the courting of Clifford, like the movie. You not coming with me on that? I'll go with you on that. The courting of Clifford Lee, in parentheses, by the general manager, Brian Cashman. Uh, let's let's subtitle that. Right. That. Pr- I want parents. That's all. I need parents. You got it. Thanks. But uh, here's the thing. Let's have a little fun with it. Where we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Where does G to go? Where does G to go? Where does he go? If, you, if he's if, not going to play for the Yankees, if that number two is going to be worn somewhere else, we talked about it. Uh, I think last week, Cal. There's only one place, two places he can go conceivably. Well, Kansas City, <laughs> correct, and the Pirates. And the Pirates with Clint Hurdle now. I think that's fairly obvious. <laughs> reunited, and it feels so good. You can't see Derek Jeter uh, wanting to extend his legacy by re- reviving one of those moribund franchises? No, but I did enjoy you putting moribund in there. I don't think I've ever used that word verbally. No, you've seen it a lot in print, though, right? Oh, yeah, I write it a lot. Right, but it's I one of those deals that you write a lot, and you see in print a lot, but you've never actually vocalized might be the first time I've ever said that in my life. Well, by gum, you pulled it off. Josh, you pulled it off big time. All right, Tampa or Boston, right? <laughs> no. No? No, I, no, I don't think he goes. I, don't, I think if he actually leaves the Yankees, he's not going to tarnish his legacy by going to the Red Sox. You know what I mean? Okay. I think right. he goes to, I think he goes to, like, the Dodgers. Or somewhere out west in the somewhere National Somewhere far League. away. Exactly, where his chances of seeing the Yankees are slim. And if he's going to see the Yankees, it's in the World Series. Interesting. I could see the Dodgers with Mattingly. You couldn't see that? I, I'm, I know we're trying to have some fun here. I have, I'm having a hard time seeing him anywhere else, to be honest with you. Isn't that, isn't that a big enough town for him? Is LA, he's getting married to Mika Kelly? She's a Hollywood actress? Starlet? How about that? She's a starlet. Let's not put him in the same room with Homer Bailey again. Okay. <laughs> he's not. He's not engaged to Greta Garbo. It's Minka <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> I saw Derek Jeter and Homer Bailey. They were dancing <laughs> the night away at the Copa. And the, oh, Dodgers, the Dodgers took care of the Boston Braves two to one. Um, <laughs> that Jane Mansfield's quite a looker. She uh, is quite a... You know who her daughter is, right? Jane Mansfield? Yeah. Um, no. You ever watch the old Law & Order SVU? Jill Hennessy. No. Uh, no, then I don't know. Mariska Hagerty? All right, Mariska Hagerty. Yeah. <laughs> or, or say it that way. I didn't know, I didn't know you were Slavic. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed that one. You nailed it. I or like that. Point. Yeah, you're right. Two two zero eighteen seventeen. Let's bring in Doctor Iray for a second. While I was just I was just going to say that we need to ch- check in with the resident Yankee fan. 
or the, or our Yankee fan who was once a resident. Let's welcome in Dr. E. Ray, uh, the producer, Fafa Flanky. <laughs> Dr. E. Ray, a uh, couple things. One, Derek Jeter. He's the best, right? He's awesome. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I'll hang, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> Jeter and Shockey are awesome. I just want to say Jeter's awesome. I'll hang up and listen. That sucks. <laughs> That's a typical call to WFAN here in New York. I've heard that uh, no. all week this week. I know. Ev, what do you think? What's the story? I mean, I, obviously, I think he's going to come back. You know, it's a little frustrating that exactly what the Steinbrenner's predicted, that it would get messy, is starting to come true. It's You could see it happening. I mean, you know, the Yankees say three years. Now they're saying, you know, uh, Jeter's saying four or five. You could just see it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna linger longer than most people want to hear. Doctor E. Ray, let me one a scale of one to ten. One being uh, you can see him in another uniform. Ten being there's no effing way. Scale of one to ten, how do you feel? I mean, I I think any sports fan would be crazy not to say they couldn't see any player in any uniform. That's just the way things are these days. Um, wow. As a Yankee Feel fan, that. I'm. As a Yankee fan, of course, I wouldn't want to see him in a different uniform, but that's just is just reality. It's business, and and the bottom line is if the if Jeter doesn't get what he wants, I on, I disagree with you guys. I think he'll leave. I really do. You think? Wow, wow. Uh, now, but Ev, you have to remember. Gonna, you have to remember, guys. Where's he going to go, uh, though, Yankees, Yeah, but you have to remember the Yankees just gave a blank check to Alex Rodriguez about three years ago, right? Now, they basically said, we love you so much, take this, this huge amount of money, stay here forever. And so now they're going to turn to Jeter and play hardball? It's ridiculous. Uh, look. I but... think he'd go I think he'd go pretty much anywhere that could most, you know, Bob. Dodgers are a perfect spot for him. Dodgers are a good spot, right? <laughs> I kind of snuck that one in there, but the Dodgers are a good spot. But the thing is, though, Ev, A-Rod, with that blank track, was coming off, what, 50 home runs and an MVP? I mean, at, at what point does Jeter have to be realistic about what he would get on the open market? I mean, who's giving him $18 million a year? The Yankees I would. I think, I think there's a couple teams out there that would overpay for Jeter just, just to have him and what he means in their franchise. I really do. I think Tampa Bay is a nice thought. See, I don't think – I can't ever see him, go though, going to a team – that plays the Yankees 18 times a year. I can't see it. I, I disagree. I mean, if this thing gets uglier than it is right now, I think that's exactly where he's going to go. And he lives in Tampa. Let's not forget that. Right. But don't you – I mean, he, he wants the lifetime service contract. He wants the – you know, he wants to be a Yankee for the rest of his life. He wants to be the greatest living Yankee someday, which he will be. You know, I, I, I think he throws all those things away if he goes and plays for the Red Sox or the Rays. You know, I can't see him well, do. I could see him going to, you know, San I don't think Diego. there's any chance he'd play for the Red Sox. I don't think there's any chance he'd play for the Red Sox. But I think he would go to Tampa because um, I don't think Tampa is 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 a, is a rival yet for the Yankees. Right. That certainly would be sticking it to the Steinbrenners too. Yes, it would. You know, considering their Tampa connections. Now, uh, Ev, too, real quick, uh, what what does Cliff Lee wind up costing you? Is it just between you you guys and the Rangers? What what's your feeling on that? I mean, listen, I. It bothers me that the Yankees can offer any free agent a huge amount of money, and, and most likely they're going to come. I, I think Lee's probably going to come to the Yankees. I, I don't know how much it's going to be, but it's just frustrating to me. I, I mean, I look at other sports like football and, and basketball, and, and I kind of wish that there was a little little bit of more structure. And you know, I don't think the Yankees need to be the only team 
you know, bidding for these gigantic contracts. I just don't think so. I don't think it's good for the sport. Well, I think the interesting thing there is that, uh, Ev, is that Nolan Ryan, you know, came out and said that the the Rangers will be in the bidding, but they do realize they're going against the Yankees, and there's only so far that they can realistically go. But my biggest concern, if I was a Yankee fan, though, Ev, would be, do you really want them to to wind up having to pay six years for a 32, 33-year-old pitcher and paying him $23 million a year? This is exactly I mean, like CC Sabathia, if you remember. Milwaukee said the same exact thing coming out of, you know, after their season with with Sabathia. We're going to try to keep them. They, they gave a gigantic contract. And what did the Yankees do? They they outbid themselves, and they got him. That's well, they exactly outbid what's going to happen. But he was four years younger. Was he not? Yeah, but... That, that's true, but Cliff Lee, you know, demonstrated pretty pretty well that he's still one of the best pitchers in the game right now. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying that, that you know, years four, five, and six on that contract at 23 million. I mean, I know they're the Yankees, but yeah. But you want to know? This win. is what I'm going to say. Would Would you, as a Yankee fan, would you Would you redo that deal and not sign Sabathia? He won you a World Series. Never. No, I'm not talking about. The, I love right. Sabathia. I, I don't want to so sign but, Cliff Lee to a six year contract. Yeah, but in in Yankee land, if Cliff Lee comes and wins you a World Series next year, it's worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I guess it is. But, they, you know, they and look really, at in reality, it doesn't affect me at all. Not you, but I, 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 I And you know what? You know what, I'm just Cal? About the sport, I don't like that. Right, but you know what, Cal? Though I, I don't agree with that necessarily, and I'll tell you why. Look, they didn't win this year. They won a World Championship with CC last year. CC was mediocre in the playoffs this year. I'm sorry, he was. Okay, and now you're getting Cliff Lee at age 33 for five years uh, in the American League East, where he has to pitch against the Red Sox and the Rays and the upcoming Orioles and the always tough uh, Blue Jays 18 times. And I'm not saying Cliff Lee's not wonderful. He is. Okay, but, you know, it's no guarantee that they're going to win a World Series next year with him. No, there's, there's, no, no, there's, there's no guarantee they're ever going to win, you know? Every and, from year to year, there's and, no guarantee. I mean, to me, all them signing Cliff Lee does is guarantee they won't miss the playoffs again. But it certainly doesn't get them a World Series because A.J. Burnett is a disaster. Phil Hughes has to take the next step and be a big-time pitcher in the playoffs. Jabba Chamberlain they have destroyed. But what I'm, what I'm saying and Andy is... Andy Pettit is 114. So, yeah. Give or take a couple of years. Well, one or two. Listen, what I'm saying is the Yankees live in a different universe than, than anybody else where they can spend $200 million on players, and if they don't have to worry about long-term ramifications. They don't have I, to worry about it. And, and they are the only team in the sport that can, that can operate that way. When did, don't they have to start, Cal? Why? Because they, they got Derek Jeter. Because you have to replace these guys. Yeah, so then what they'll do is they will replace these guys with younger versions of them in the free agent market. That's, I, I, that's how they operate. Or that, That's not how they won in the first place. They or, didn't find Derek Jeter in the free agent market. They didn't find Bernie Williams in the free agent market. They didn't find Jorge Posada in the free no. agent market. But now they've got guys coming up like Brett Gardner. They've got pitchers like Phil Hughes. They've got a, a, a host of catching prospects that are supposed to be good. I mean, they, they're doing that now, okay? They, they, a couple, couple of years ago, they refocused their, their efforts on scouting and drafting, and they rebuilt that minor league system. I understand that, Cal, but it can't go on forever. Mm. It can't because they're going to have a ridiculously hard time replacing this core four. I know. And this core four was homegrown. Now they have Cano there, but Cano's 27, 28 years old. 
I mean, Cano's coming into his prime years. Right. They need to do something about that. All I'm saying is, look, I think they're going to get Lee, too. And they're probably going to get Lee by outbidding the, the Rangers by 30 or $40 million, just like they outbid the Giants for CeCe. Right. And all of a sudden, Cliff Lee loves New York. Yeah, well, he loves the money. It's his dream to play here. But Cliff Lee on a six-year deal is not a no-brainer contract to me. Not a guy who got sent down four years ago because he didn't have a pitch in Cleveland. I'm just saying. Was it four years? I thought it was more recent than that. Three years ago, actually. You're right. Three years ago. You're right. Well, Cal, (laughs) (laughs) when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. The defense rests. (laughs) Cal, let's uh, take this opportunity to welcome in uh, from uh, uh, SNY Mets blog, PatrickFloodBlog.com. Patrick Flood is joining us to talk about the Mets, and uh, let's welcome him in. And uh, hey, Patrick, how are you doing? Steve Sampietro, Brian Calvi here. What's going on? Hey, guys. What's up? Not much, not much. Uh, great to have you on tonight. And uh, just before we get into the meat and potatoes of everything, let me just Reiterate, Patrick writes uh, for an SNY Mets blog called PatrickFloodBlog.com, part of the SNY family of blogs. And, uh, Pat, first of all, uh, Patrick, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, let's, you know, let's get right into it. We brought you on to talk about the Metropolitans. We've been trying to do it for a while. And yep. uh, so, so thanks for coming on with us. And first and foremost, uh, I saw a tweet. I don't know if you caught this. Uh, saying that uh, the Mets have told SNY to be at the stadium on Tuesday for an announcement. Did you see that? I, I did see that. I, I, I can't. I have no idea. I'm trying to figure out what it is because I'd like to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know yet, though. <laughs> Maybe right. they're moving the fences in. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, I think you um, and David Wright. You and David Wright would have the rosary beads out for that one for sure. Uh, yeah, but, no, I think definitely David Wright, Jason Day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, the big topic, obviously, is the managerial choice. They narrowed it down to the four guys, Collins, Backman, um, Chip Hale, and, of course, everybody's All-American Bob Melvin, uh, the ever-exciting. Now, you've been co- doing great coverage of this on your blog. i got to say, I've been reading it. Uh, this is how I've kind of caught up with these guys, Patrick. And uh, just first, let's jump in. Give me your impressions of the four candidates. I know you wrote about uh, Backman yesterday, but give me your impressions of the four candidates. Start with Collins. Well, Collins is, uh, I guess you can sort of, you can break all the man, all four guys down into like whether or not they're angry and experienced, and then you end up with like four different combinations of that. So Collins is the angry and experienced one. Um, my impression is maybe the manager of uh, like the Astros and the Angels, lots of second place finishes, uh, managed in China and Japan and all those things. So he has a lot of experience, uh, but apparently he's like a drill sergeant all the time is the impression I've gotten. Oof. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily a great thing for this fragile team. Yeah, right. Go ahead, Cal. Yeah. No, I was. I, what I wanted to ask uh, Patrick about was I, re- I read his article uh, the other day about Wally Backman and how yep. Patrick is kind of conflicted on whether he really wants him or not. Um, how do you feel about Wally Backman now after the interview process is now complete? Uh, I feel like at the beginning I was very anti-Wally Backman but I think that has a lot more to do with his supporters than it actually has to do with Wally Backman himself. <laughs> I think there, there, are, yeah, there are good arguments to be made for him, but it just seems like the people who are arguing for them don't make those arguments. They just say things like he likes to win, whereas I guess I don't know what that says about the other managers, what they think. You know, the other right. managers don't. Yeah. So it, 
I'm a little torn on him. I think I, I think you bring up a good point, and I I was writing on your blog yesterday about that uh, when somebody checked in because you said that Backman is the somewhat irrational choice. You know, you can't think of rational baseball reasons for him. And, and you know, one of the uh, Backman supporters jumped on your site and was saying how, you know, all his players love to play for him. And that's another one I've heard ad nauseum about Backman. And, and you know, it doesn't translate to me. These are 19-year-old kids. Of course they love playing for him. You know, what's it going to mean in a locker room full of, you know, uh, millionaires uh, like Carlos Beltran, 33 years old, $18 million coming to him. Is Wally Backman's rah-rah thing going to wear itself out? Are they going to care that he was an 86 Met? See, I don't... It's it's complicated. It's it's sort of, uh, you know, he, he he's a fiery kind of guy, and maybe they'll play a well with players, maybe it won't. It's kind of a, like, there's a high-risk, high-reward thing going on here, where maybe there's, like, a 30% chance it works out, and he really improves the team a lot. Or, you know, he's fired in two years because just nobody can stand him, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't translate to the big leagues. So I feel like he's the most interesting candidate because if it works out, it has the chance to work out the best. But I don't know if he has the highest if he has the highest chance of it going well. It could go disastrously. He could get arrested or all those other things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now it looks like today and throughout the life of this managerial search, there's been a different favorite every day. And right now it looks like the the leader in the locker room is Bob Melvin. And I'll get to Melvin in a little bit. But just going back to Terry Collins, a lot of people were, were big on Terry Collins because he comes in as this intense sort of taskmaster, and this is a locker room that needs to be cleaned up, and, and they need someone to come in and take charge. My question to you, Patrick, is you think I'm going to use Carlos Beltran again as the example. Carlos Beltran making $17 million this year. How is he going to respond to a guy that comes in, a 62-year-old man who hasn't managed in over 10 years, who starts yelling in his face? How, is that going to be effective? Uh, see, the thing I think with players like Carlos Beltran, I don't know if the manager really matters with him so much. I don't think it's going to be a detriment to him, but I don't know if he's going to respond to it either. I think he just, I mean, he's a fantastic player. I think he just does his own thing, though, in a way, and it almost doesn't matter. I think the most important thing with Beltran this year is having a manager who can sort of, you know, make his transition to right field, which I think is something they're going to have to do go very smoothly, and I think that would be an important thing with the manager. I don't know if Collins is the right guy for that. He's kind of drill sergeant the whole time. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that somewhat. I was kind of high on Terry Collins in the beginning because I thought, uh, well, you, you, I, I think, Patrick, we, we're being, as Met fans, sold a bill of goods almost every day here uh, as yeah. far as who's the front runner and who should be manager. And we're going to talk in, in a little bit about the press coverage for this team right now uh, by just about everyone outside of SNY. But Getting back to the candidates, I know that there was uh, the situation with Collins where he supposedly lost the locker room and lost the team twice, uh, most notably with the Angels where there was almost a mutiny, which was led by Mo Vaughn. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, you know, the only mutinies Mo Vaughn should be leading usually involve buffets. But it's uh, – I'm sorry. It's a cheap shot of Mo Vaughn, but he deserves it. But – uh <laughs> You know, Collins supposedly lost the room. But, you know, all these guys sort of end badly. Otherwise, it wouldn't end. I mean, it's like that line from Cocktail, right? <laughs> like all these all these guys who were fired somewhere, you know, it always ends badly. Otherwise, things wouldn't end. So I, I think Collins is a strong candidate. But my focus is sort of shifted to Chip Hale, who's sort of a dark horse in this uh, uh, this horse race 
And uh, what, what can you tell me about Chip Hale? What have you heard, and, and, and what do you like about him? Uh, I like Chip Hale. Um, like you said, he's kind of a dark horse because he hasn't managed the major leagues and isn't Wally Backman. Um, <laughs> but he's he's you know he's coached for a while. He coached in Arizona. He's a third base coach there. He's a third base coach this year. Um, he was I think his teams have done very well in the minor leagues. Uh, they have. 2006, yeah, 2006 time the whatever the Tucson Sidewinders. I think they <laughs> won their whatever league they're in, the Pacific Coast League. I think I think they won their championship, and uh, he was manager of the year. So there's a lot of good things there. He's got a lot of good, positive experience in the minor leagues and the major leagues. So, if, you know, if they like him, they like him, and I'm all for it. All right. Um, now, Patrick, let's get to Melvin. Um, right <laughs> now, today is the day that he um, – today, he's the leader. And they seem to be – everybody seems to be really – happy about the way he came out of his interview. He came out very calm, very collected. Um, he, he was dressed very professionally. They were very impressed with the way that he came out. That's uh, Twitter is beautiful. You hear, get all these. Um, yeah, he was dressed well. Let's name a manager. Great. That's important, right? <laughs> yes. But um, what what is your feeling about Melvin? Because now, if you remember during the season, when, when there was talk of Jerry Manuel losing his job, Bob Melvin was the guy that was going to, be tabbed to, to replace him, and everybody kind of hated that. Now it looks like he's the favorite to get the job. Has, has anything changed between now and then? I think Melvin's biggest strength in this race is that he isn't any of the other candidates. If that makes any sense, where if you're, you know, if you're kind of like wary about having someone that's fiery, you're like, you know, you're worried that's not going to work. That kind of eliminates Collins and Backman. If you're looking for somebody with experience, which Chip Hale doesn't have any experience managing the major leagues. And that sort of leaves Melvin as the only guy that's left. He, you know, he has it all together. Like he said, he dresses professionally and everything. There's nothing wrong with him, which I think is sort of his biggest strength, even if he doesn't have anything that's necessarily great about him. <laughs> well, that's that's super. That the strongest candidate is he's like the the least passive. Resi- what is it? The the path of least resistance or something like that? Yeah, he's just wins by default almost. <laughs> right now. Uh, I think no matter who they go with, Patrick, you you have to feel good about the fact that, and and you know I've I've seen this on your blog and stuff like that. Cal and I have talked a lot about it on the show, that they've already made one stupendously awesome move this off season, and 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 one correct move this off season, and that was bringing in Sandy Alderson. Uh, Cal and I both agreed that he was the right sheriff for the right time, um, and now the All Star Ivy League SAT team that he has put together. <laughs> is just, you know, between Di Podesta and Ricciardi and, and Rico, I mean, there's just, there's brains galore there. And so they've done the right thing in that fashion. So, Ken, my, my question is, taking a long time to get to it, I apologize, but my question is, can they really screw this up? Like, is that why they're so wary of Backman? Like, Backman seems to be the only guy who could, like you said, implode and really screw it up. The other guys are somewhat safer, right? They can't really screw this up. Yeah, I mean, this manager search has been kind of weird with the number of candidates that they interviewed. I think they got to 10 guys. They interviewed 10 people for this job. And they really kind of dragged out this process, which is making it seem like they're almost worried about blowing it up or having it go terribly wrong. Um, But I think, as a fan, I'm just going to trust that these three guys know how to pick managers better than I do. And I think that's true. (laughs) Uh, Patrick, do it's taken a while to kind of get to this point where now we're on, we're kind of on the verge of finding out who the manager is going to be. You have a problem with how long 
it's taken because you see a lot of criticism that, you know, it's taking forever to pick this manager where, in my opinion, and I want to get your opinion as well, I think they're doing their due diligence and I have no problem with how long they're taking as long as they pick the right guy. What do you think about that? I think that's a good way to look at it. Uh, you know, they're making sure they get the right guy by taking their time. Um, yeah, I think that that could be it. You know, hope it's not that they just they don't like any of them and they just have to pick one, which is also a possibility. <laughs> you know, just hoping that one of them emerges from the pack. But no, I feel whoever they pick will be. You know, it's it doesn't matter even matter. It's one of those things. It's just you know when things are going well, he gets credit, and when things are going poorly, he gets blamed. And it's That's absolutely right. Of, yep. Yeah, psychobabble sometimes. So. I think the I think the interesting thing and 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 about the manager with the Mets is is you heard the other day and this this brings me to something else I really wanted to talk on uh, was um, the this idea in the media that you know there was the story the other day I think it was was it Sherman Cal uh, the story the with, one with Wright. David Wright yeah right yeah, and, that was Sherman and, and Boa and. You know, they're talking about how David Wright spoke to Larry Boa when he was on third base or something like that about how the, the clubhouse is a mess and it's unprofessional. And and what you just said about the manager, Patrick, brought me to this, this idea that the Met clubhouse is this uh, poisonous stew of unprofessionalism uh, where they they need somebody to come in there and teach them. And, and of course, Sherman made the article about himself, but... Mm-hmm where they need somebody to come in there and show them the, the Yankee way or the Red Sox way or whatever. First of all, didn't, didn't we have that with Willie Randolph? And, and secondly, and, and that failed eventually, but, and, and secondly, isn't that what, is, is that what the Mets need right now in a manager? It's really less of a strategic guy and more of a clubhouse shrink? Well, you bring up a good point with Willie Randolph, and I think that's your Terry Collins gets compared to sometimes and sort of the way he deals with the media is sort of a paranoid, almost everyone's out to get him kind of way, um, which probably doesn't bode well for Collins if that's really how he is. But the uh, what kind of manager the team needs, I think uh, Ted Bird on his blog did a good job of uh, sort of going, sort of explaining Sherman's article and why it was kind of iffy, um, where, you know, <laughs> confirmation bias when you're looking for things you're going to find them and things aren't going well for the Mets right now so you know you're in the clubhouse and you see Oliver Perez you know playing video games those sort of things that's the kind of thing that you say well he's playing video games he doesn't care that much whereas when other teams are going well and playing video games you talk about how loose they are and how much fun they're having and you right. give the manager credit for that so I don't think picking a manager based on whether or not he's going to look to play video games is probably not a good idea <laughs> So they need a manager who who can play video games, right? I think that's the most important thing is the search. I think that's what they're doing in the interview room too. They're getting out the PlayStation. And... <laughs> this is the Madden interview. That's right. Right. Uh, Ma- manage this MLB the Show game, and if you win, then you get the job. Yep. Now they they've they've been getting killed uh, pretty much everywhere, and and this drives us a little bit crazy. Patrick, uh, Cal, and I are are obviously huge media consumers especially when it comes to the Mets. And it, and it seems that no matter what they do, they're, they're sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Uh, you know, Bill Madden wrote a, a, an article on Sunday talking about how Collins and uh, uh, Melvin being the front runners is, is a bad idea. They should be picking somebody without experience because, you know, 
And and you can guarantee that he had an article ready to go if Hale and Backman were the front runners that said they should be picking an experienced guy. I mean, what what does this team need to do other than win? I know that's the obvious, but what, what does this team need to do to, to change the narrative right now for it in the New York media? Well, I think they have a little bit of a hiring Elderson because you sort of think that he's smarter than everyone and you kind of just have to trust him. But I think it's almost the Mets organization has gotten to a point where no matter what they do, we immediately assume it's the wrong thing simply because the Mets are doing it. Whereas it's just, you know, it's like, oh, the Mets are doing whatever it is they're doing. They're talking to these candidates for manager. So these guys must be the wrong managers because the Mets couldn't possibly do anything right because look at what's happened. And I feel like when things start to, like, you know, winning is important. It's just making right decisions and not signing Oliver Perez and all those other things. And you sort of, you know, have to regain the trust of everybody. They're like, oh, the Mets can do smart things. Yeah. Well, well, let let me ask you a question, Patrick. When you look at when the season ended back in October and and the last game of the season and, and this horrible season was behind us, from that point on, from that day in October up until now, what's your opinion on how the Mets have operated over the last six to eight weeks. Are you happy with what they've done? Do you feel like there's kind of a shift in, in, in the way that they do business? Yes. It feels like adults are running the team for the first time in a long time. Sort of like, you know, my job is to blog about this team, and it's almost got to the point where I'm, I'm nervous now because when Orm and I was running the team, it's pretty easy to find things that he's doing wrong and be like, you know, he doesn't understand this, and I can point it out, and it's like, yeah, I'm done. But now with Alderson, it's like, I think, you know, he definitely he knows what he's doing. And, it's, you know, he's going to be able to, he made a good move, and that's all I can write about it. <laughs> right. You're, yeah. sort of like a, you're sort of like a late-night talk show host when Bush is out of office. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like the Daily Show after he left. Yeah. <laughs> right. <care> exactly. <laughs> like, now what? Right. Stuart, well, they've, they've found plenty to write about, which is great. Yep. I, <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't have to worry. Yeah. Right. Well, the, you know, that's the, that's the wonderful thing about this team, that, you know, no matter what, they will always sort of do something stupid or that'll be perceived as stupid. You just hope that, you know, eventually it it's less and less, you know, it's not every press conference like it was with Omar. But uh, <laughs> real quick on the field, Patrick, a couple things, uh, you know, people talking, uh, they, they had the GM meetings uh, this week down in Florida. And of course, Sandy Alderson suffering that, that terrible tragedy with his father, uh, which is just, just really awful. Um, but, you know, he's showing his professionalism and working through it. And, and uh, you know, obviously it doesn't mean very much, but our, our hearts, you know, go out to his family, of course. But, um, you know, things going on at the GM meetings, they're starting to talk about position players, a couple of trades. Dan Ugla winds up going to the Braves. Great. Um, do you – I know Alderson has said that they will not be in the market. They will not be, you know, spending money in free agency. Do you think he has a trick up his sleeve? Do you think he has a trade up his sleeve? I wouldn't be surprised um, if he was able to pull something off, but I really don't think, I wouldn't expect that many changes from the team that sort of left the field in October of last year and the team that's going to show up in April of next year. I don't think things are going to change that much. They only have maybe $5 million to spend if so much money's locked up. I think the big changes are going to come after this year, um, after this next coming season, when they have a lot of contracts coming off the books. Right. And and now uh, and do you think Reyes gets an extension? I hope Reyes gets an extension. I think he will. I think um, sort of if you look at his contributions overall, he hasn't obviously had good season the past few years, but they're 
aren't that many good hitting shortstops in baseball. And even if he's kind of like an average defender and an average hitter, that's really good for a shortstop. And I think he's definitely worth giving an extension to. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that, it, and Cal and I have talked about it, that while he shouldn't be off, you know, off the market, so to speak, if the right deal came along and Clay Buckholz's name was involved, uh, you'd think about it. But I, I think, you know, they, they probably lock Reyes up. Now, Cal, uh, we got one more question for you, Patrick, and then we're going to let you run. And we really want to thank you again uh, for taking the time. Uh, Cal? Uh, yeah, my last question for me, Patrick, is who, who do you think is going to wind up with this job? Whether on, on Tuesday, when the masses gather at City Field, who's going to be introduced as the Met manager? I think it's going to be Bob Melvin. Um, I know he's a front runner today. I just think that he's the choice that makes the most sense in a Sandy Allerson system. I think, you know, he's kind of a kind of professional, has it together. He'll sort of continue that feeling that grown-ups are running the team, which is nice in a way, even if he isn't the most exciting managerial candidate. Right. Now, he should show up at the press conference like packing, just to just to throw everybody off the scent. Like, you want to talk about fiery? Like, <laughs> or just do something crazy at the press conference. I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm just yeah. <laughs> dreaming. <laughs> I, 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 do you think that my last question would be this, Patrick? Do you think if it is Melvin that they put uh, either Backman, Collins, Hale, do, do these guys get on his staff? Um, maybe that wouldn't be a terrible thing to have one of the fire guys be the bench coach, um, and then you sort of have a combination of both, where you have sort of the experienced and calm Melvin sort of running the whole thing. And then you have, like, the crazy guy he can unleash and whoever he needs to unleash him on. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Yeah. Like, get the gift, yeah. right. Like, good cop, yeah. bad cop. <laughs> yep. I think Chip Hale fits that bill perfectly. I think Chip Hale would be a good bad cop. Yeah, he like looks. Hale. He looks like he'd be the kind of guy who tells David Wright to turn his badge in, you know? <laughs> Patrick, one last question. What's your favorite Arrested Development uh, uh, episode? My favorite Arrested Development episode? Yeah. Oh, God, I have to pick one. Um, <laughs> it's impossible, isn't it? That is impossible. I like, uh, I, I feel like, I don't know if I can pick a single episode, but sort of the, the middle of the second season when you have Tobias as the blue man and there's just all the scenes in the house with just random blue paint on the wall, <laughs> ever acknowledged. Just that whole, that whole, like, middle of the show is my favorite part, and that's, the like, what I go to when I'm, you know, just I need to watch something random. That's what I go to. I go to, like, to right. the second season. Well, FYI, they're showing those on uh, IFC right now. That's that's where they are in the IFC reruns. Okay. Right. I was just watching. I was just I was just watching it the other day, and it was uh, the one with Ice, the bounty hunter, and they go with Anne down to Mexico, <laughs> and uh, they leave Anne down in Mexico, Anne Veal, and uh, I just want to spend some more time with Egg Anne. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Patrick, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and. Uh, as you, I think we told you we're taking a little bit of a hiatus for a couple of weeks, uh, but we will be back in January, and we'd love to have you back on the program. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me on tonight. All right, thanks, Patrick. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, Patrick Flood from uh, PatrickFloodBlog.com, uh, an SNY blog. And, uh, boy, Cal, he gave us a ton to talk about. He's a great writer. I've been trying to get him on uh, for the longest time. He started out with just his own independent blog, and then Sarone from Mets Blog would, would kind of put him on MetsBlog.com, and then they picked him up. And I was so happy because he kind of has access a little bit to the team now. Yeah. And uh, just a fantastic writer. Uh, if you get a chance, check out his blog. That's PatrickFloodBlog.com. Uh, or you can get to it from uh, SNY. 
uh, or the Mets blog at SMY, and also follow him on Twitter because he's very funny. Um, uh, and he is at Patrick J. Flood. So, uh, yeah, yeah go ahead. No, no, he um, he brought up a couple of really, really excellent points, and the one that, that he kept coming back to, he mentioned it a couple of times, was the feeling that the grown-ups are running the show. Yeah, it's and, like Republicans. And, yeah, you really um, – <laughs> and that's kind of where I was going with that when I asked him that question because th- there's just constant negativity around the team. Yeah. And I don't think it's warranted – all the time anymore. I think that these guys know what they're doing. They're intelligent. Um, they're experienced. They have proven track records. And I agree with Patrick. It, do, it does kind of feel like things are stabilized. You don't have to worry about what's going to come out of somebody's mouth at a press conference. Yep. And when somebody speaks, they lend a little bit of an air of credibility to the words that they're saying. It's, I, I just feel better about the team. And I thought Patrick nailed it with, yep. with that point. No, I thought he brought up a lot of great points, and and uh, obviously, you know, folks uh, will check it out in the podcast and stuff like that because all of our shows podcast. Uh, and and I, I thought he was spot on in his description of a lot of things, and he feels like it's going to be Melvin. You know, I I understand that uh, nobody gets real excited about that, but like he said, he's kind of like the lesser of all evils. He's sort of like the safest choice. So we'll see what happens. You know, Tuesday, uh, the Mets have said uh, for SNY to be there. They haven't said why. But, you know, everybody's assuming that uh, Sandy Alderson will figure out who is going to be the manager. Cal, all I know is, for my money, they have done the right thing by taking their time. They have obviously vetted these guys pretty thoroughly. And uh, whoever they choose, uh, honestly, I can honestly say, whoever they choose, I have confidence in. Well, I have confidence in them, in in the Alderson group. Um, Alderson, D. Podesta, Ricciardi, I have confidence in them, and whoever they pick, I'll, I'll, I'll feel okay with it. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I have confidence yeah. in them. I have confidence. I'm not necessarily saying I have confidence in whoever they name as manager. Look, my, my, needs to be my, team, but. my guy all along, I, I would have loved, loved, loved to see Bobby Valentine come back, and that clearly wasn't happening from the get-go. That was never going to happen. So if Bobby Valentine's not coming back, then – I don't really have have a vested interest, you know. Yep, I agree. And and you know, but you would think, Cal, if you didn't want, you know, if you weren't getting Valentine, you'd want Backman, right? I, I'll take Backman. I go back and forth on Backman. Everybody you does. Know? Everybody goes back and forth we, on so, Backman. That's what Flood wrote about yesterday on his blog. Is that you, you don't know why you love Backman, but I you know. do. I know the reasons that Backman supporters give, like Patrick Flood said, are silly. Oh, right. his players will run through a wall for him. Well, what player wouldn't when he's 19 years old playing in Podunk? You know, of course. That that does not – I don't know if that trans. He's an unknown quantity. You know what I was saying yesterday, Cal? I think he's the most known unknown quantity. Everybody knows who Wally Backman is because he played right. for the Mets, and he's a Met hero. Everybody knows who he is. But he's a completely unknown quantity as far as what he's going to be as a manager. Well, in the major leagues, yeah. He's managed in the exactly. minor leagues. He's had success in the minor leagues with, with the 19-year-old kids from Podunk. Yeah, but Cal, you know you manage that team differently than you're going to manage a major league team. You're not going to bunt as much with David Wright in your lineup and, and Carlos Beltran. And, you know, you're not going to play small ball necessarily as much as you would in a low minor league level. Right. So that's not, that is not necessarily indicative of how he's going to manage the big league club. You don't, you don't know, know what you're going to get. Yeah, right. You, you you really don't know. You don't know how that personality translates. So we'll see. All I know is the Mets 
I I agree with you guys a hundred percent in that you're just not worried anymore when there's a press conference. You know, when I see uh, uh, Sandy Alderson said this today, I don't immediately go to YouTube to watch it to see what he did. Like, I'm comfortable with the fact that he didn't screw something up. Right. And that's a nice feeling. It's a very nice feeling. Um, The other thing about this, um, I just lost my train of thought. Never mind. He's not the (laughs) best co-host in the game for nothing, folks. The best. Wow. The best, Jerry. The best. I got I got derailed. Let's. Uh, this is a good spot to move on. Thank you. <laughs> and our producer chimes in. This is why Doctor Iray is the greatest. Uh, he lets us know. Good, good spot to move on, fellas. Move on, because Cal's making a fool of himself. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. You're not making a fool of yourself, okay? I don't uh, want. The, I don't want that kind of talk. All right. Hey. I would like. I would like Timmy Tuffle. Hey, little buckaroo. Hey. You no. you stop that talk right now. Timmy Tuffle. Okay? No, not Timmy Tuffle. That you're making a fool of yourself. I don't want to hear it. No, I'm not. That's right. Well, who's the best co-host? Who is it? Uh, it's me. All okay. right. Let's you're, not getting, you're not getting Tim Tuffle. I'll tell you that much. We well, might maybe he'll be on the staff. There's, there's talk about him being the first. I want him as first base coach. Yeah. First I base. would want. I want Tim Tuffle over Razor Shines more than anything. <laughs> I want. I. <laughs> I want Teresa, my wife, over Razor Shines. <laughs> what you for? As, as a first base coach. Right? As a first base coach, that's correct. Not for anything else. <laughs> Awkward between Razor Shines and I. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. The number to call. We have the fantasy five spot coming up in a few minutes with Dave Rutley from ffadvisor.com. dot com. Um, Cal, we're going to downshift into football in just a second, but one more baseball thing while we have three minutes before the top of the hour. One more baseball thing. You did see the trade. Ugly goes to the Braves. You saw that, right? I did. And the Marlins are making all sorts of moves. Trades are happening a little bit, but I don't They signed John Buck. They signed John Buck, which is huge. That leaves me speechless. But there was was something I read, and Dr. Eray were talking about this before we went on the air. Something I read where it said if the Yankees don't get Cliff Lee, they will turn their attention immediately to Carl Crawford. Yeah, I saw that too. And I wrote it in the rundown. Call Crawford? With like, and that's how it has to be said. With like seven question marks. If not Lee, then Crawford? <laughs> I, I don't understand. Why? 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 Call Crawford? Why? Why would you do Call Crawford? I don't know. Is that like a just because we can? Yeah, that that feels like a just like we just because we can. Where's he gonna play? Uh, I the mean, field. It, the, it, I I would imagine the idea would be to trade Swisher or Gardner for a pitcher at that point. Yes. But what and, are you gonna? What kind and, of pitcher are you gonna get? And Crawford, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't like playing center field. I don't know. I've never asked the man. I. Be- <laughs> well, next time you bump into him, can you? Next time you guys are hanging. Yeah, I'll mention it to him down in Tampa, say Pete. Uh, no, I, I've, I've, I've heard that he doesn't like to play center field. So, obviously, he comes in and he's the left fielder. You keep Granderson and Gaudy, Grandy and Gaudy, for center. Right. And then Swisher is trade bait, or Granderson is trade bait. So, I mean, they, they could play him, but really? He's not, a, he's not the fit for the Yankees, I don't think. I don't uh, – see, now, that makes me suspicious. Uh-oh, conspiracy theory. Coming. Do, 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 do. If you're 
That was the worst conspiracy alarm <laughs> ever. That was that was like a public access conspiracy alarm. If you're losing Derek Jeter, why? Because Crawford's gonna play shortstop. No, you need a new leadoff hitter. Gardner could lead off now. Anyway, is that a right reach? <laughs> is that a huge reach? You need a, a new li- two hitter. A little bit of a reach. <laughs> Fine. I can't think of any other reason they need Carl Crawford. How's that? I can't. They Carl like speed. Crawford go, Carl Crawford should go to the Anaheim Angels and be done with it. It seems like that's the the logical landing spot for him. You know, you know where the logical landing spot should have been. Carl Crawford. Yeah. City Field. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's right. How many triples does he hit if he goes to the Mets? Twenty um, five. Hundred and thirty. No, seriously. Does he not hit twenty? Hundred and thirty. Hundred and thirty triples. Why not? The greatest display of base running in the history of mankind. Let me ask you a question. Without that'd be quite a uh, a fantasy year, right? Like if you were to look at his stats in fantasy baseball, and he had a hundred and thirty triples. Hundred and thirty triples. That what, what do you like? It depends on how many points you get for triples. But if you get the three points for triples, that's got to be the anyway. That'd be crazy. Seriously, he'd hit twenty five triples in City Field, right? He would hit at least twenty. Yeah. I mean, you know, Angel Pagan got 15 there. Right. And if, if Reyes could ever stay healthy in City Field, he'll hit 25 triples. Yeah, well, don't hold your breath, my friend. Oh. I would love to see Jose Reyes stay healthy this year. Oh, alas, alack. 424-220-1817. We have a lot of football to get to. Uh, we have the Doctor is In segment. We're going till 1130 tonight. If we feel like it, we don't even know. We could totally, We could totally, if we feel like it, we would do it. If there's time. If there's time. I don't even know if there's time. But, Dr. E. Ray, uh, uh, is it time for me to do the – I'll do the spot now. Should I do the spot now? Good good spot to do the spot. Good spot to do the spot. He yelled at me, yes. He did. <laughs> Take the cap lock off. <laughs> hey, Cal. Yeah. Hey, Dr. E. Ray. As you guys know, our fantasy football league is very, very competitive. Guys are always looking for an edge. Probably visit 10 sites a week trying to hunt down advice for the lineups, especially now with only three weeks left of the season. And the playoffs coming up from the start to pick up. Fantasy football advice sites are a cottage industry these days. There are more sites, but there are players to draft and pick up. But we have got here at Ready to Unload a new site for you that has done a great job this year. They're a sponsor of the show. We love them. That's going to give you a huge edge and take all the work out of fantasy. It's called ffadvisor.com. Now, the guys at ffadvisor.com have gone mathematical with this thing. They've designed an algorithm that rates the site that tells you who to start, who to sit, who to pick up. They did a massive survey also of fantasy football players as to what they want and need out of a fantasy website. They put it all in one little package on ffadvisor.com. So you have it. So you just go there and you see who to start, who to sit. So go to ffadvisor.com and take the guesswork out of fantasy football. And with that, I believe it's time to go to... uh, Do we have him set up, uh, Dr. E. Ray? Is he ready to go? Is uh, is Rutley... uh, Yes, he's ready to go. He's right there. He's there. Thank you, Cal. (laughs) Let's welcome in from ffadvisor.com, Dave Rutley... And good evening, Mr. Ruttles. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you doing tonight? Well, we're doing better than your Redskins. Oh. Oh, that really? was rough. That's how you start? 
Not even a little foreplay. Just right to it. Wow. Sorry, I had to do it. When 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 the guy has the greatest fantasy day in the history of fantasy, and I have a guy on who's a Redskins fan to talk about fantasy, how can I not open with that game? It was not a it was not a pretty day for Redskins fan, but as a Michael Vick owner in the league, in several leagues actually, it was a cause for celebration. The very the very mixed feelings of a uh, NFL football fan, an uh, uh, adamant diehard NFL Redskins football fan, and also a avid fantasy football player were experienced uh, that Monday night. <laughs> yes, and I just I just traded him. All right, Dave, let's uh, that went well. Let's get right to it. And let's get into week 11 now. All of our leagues, or, or our league, the guys, uh, we only have three weeks left to go. Cal uh, is uh, uh, lost to me last week, unfortunately. Uh, a noble effort. A noble fight. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think it pretty much doesn't count for the playoffs. I am at 6-4. and four. Dr. E. Ray is at 6-4, and four, both tied atop our division. However, he is the lead in points, etc., etc. We have questions for you, sir. Uh, why don't we well, start with Cal though? Because Cal is Cal is now in the spoiler role, so let's start with uh, Cal State Fullerton. What do you got for for Dave, Cal? Well, I I will let Dave know that Steve beat me last week, and I'm just glad that he had traded uh, Michael Vick and Des Bryant before last week. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that would have really been a massacre. And I still beat you by forty. He still did beat me by forty. Um, keeper league. I'm in a word of keeper league. I keeper have alert. I have Mike Wallace. Okay, he's he's my keeper. I'm, I'm thinking about keeping him for next year because um, this year's over for me. I'm looking towards next year. I'd be able to keep him next year for a 12th round pick. You think that he's worth that? Yeah, you know, at a 12th round spot, I was as you were asking the question, I'm thinking to myself, if he says 10th round, 10th round or later, I'm okay with that. Um, he's not a great PPR player, but at the same time, Hans Ward getting toward the end of his career. Uh, more passes are going to start going Wallace's way. And, you know, from a speed standpoint, there's not a faster guy in the NFL uh, at the wide receiver position than Mike Wallace, at least from a football standpoint. Uh, so Roethlisberger can get the throw the deep ball, a uh, 12-round pick for Mike Wallace with a full year of Roethlisberger um, next year, assuming Roethlisberger stays away from uh, 18 and up clubs in Atlanta, Georgia in the offseason. <laughs> I think All right, thanks, Dave. That's sweet butter, Dave. Come on now. Uh, now, Doctor E. Ray, uh, uh, are you there? Why don't you go next? All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm making the playoff push here. I have two quarterbacks, Dave. I have Matt Schaub against the Jets and Josh Freeman against the Niners. I'm a little worried about Schaub and his injuries. Who do you like here? Wow, that is um, that's a tough week. That's a tough week having those two choices. I'm also worried about. Uh, Shaw in his injury, and I'm also worried about uh, the Jets and, and Revis's ability to take away Andre Johnson, which really, really limits Shaw. I mean, Shaw's the guy that came into this year as a consensus top five quarterback and is, you know, really barely scratching the top 15 at this point. And I think it's time to really call what we're seeing out there. And, and he's just not a great fantasy quarterback, especially with the emergence of Arian Foster. They're relying on that run game that much more. Josh Freeman, on the other hand, has got a lot of weapons. Kellen Winslow, Aurelius Ben, Mike Williams, who's a hell of a player. Um, I think he's a very reliable guy, and I think um, 
it's a safer bet, and you're probably looking at three or four more points easily out of Josh Freeman this week against uh, San Francisco. All right, so that's, Ed, that's who I have in my that's who I have in my starting lineup. Thanks a lot, Dave. There you go. Yep. And and uh, Ev and I, of course, made a trade this week. We did uh, taking it right up to the wire. I traded him the extraordinarily disappointing Ryan Matthews for the gutsy uh, Amendola kid. And uh, it was a Danny Amendola, who sounds like a kid I grew up with and is somehow an NFL player. Uh, but <laughs> happy days. That's sure. It does sound like he's on happy days. Uh, my, my question, Dave, is uh, who to start in that flex spot? Uh, I could ask you about the quarterbacks again. I have Orton and Flacco. Uh, this is like a week-to-week thing with me. Uh, you know, Flacco uh, is against Carolina, Orton against San Diego. Uh, I'm leaning towards Orton because I feel like the Ravens will be able to run the ball all over Carolina uh, and maybe get out to a big lead and just kind of salt it away. You're, uh, leaning, you're, leaning, you're leaning in the right direction. You definitely have to go Orton this week. Yeah, but I uh, thank you. But uh, for my flex spot, uh, I'm thinking even I have uh, Branch and Moss on the bench, and I have uh, Amendola in that flex spot. Which of those three would you go with? Wow, that's that's where we're at. How we're at? We're at sitting Randy Moss underneath Dion Branch and uh, Danny Amendola from Happy Days Fame. Uh, yeah, right. no, in, in PPR, it's, it's it's all Danny Amendola. I mean, he's a, probably a top 30 guy this week. Um, you probably can't count on Moss, um, especially as you're getting into the playoffs here, uh, or the push for the playoffs at least. Why take the risk? Go for the short points, especially out of your flex spot. Uh, roll with Amendola and feel pretty good about that. All right, awesome. Now, uh, I, you have something else for uh, for Dave? Ev. Do I have something? Do I have something else? Yes, I thought you had something sure. else for Dave. I, I I would love to ask. I would ask forty questions for Dave. But how about this one? Um, in my flex, I who do you like better, San Antonio home to, uh, home against Houston or, or Blount uh, Legarrette Blount against San, San Francisco? Yeah, usually. So non PPR, that's probably Legarrette Blount. Um, but in in a PPR scoring, I like San Antonio Holmes better. Um, Houston is just, I mean, it's a god-awful uh, defensive secondary there. I mean, they're they are literally handing the ball to Jacksonville wide receivers on Hail Mary passes. It's not a pretty situation. <laughs> um, it's not going to be any prettier this week. I could definitely see Holmes having a, a very strong week. And, and San Francisco doesn't do a lot well, but they do stop the run pretty well. So I, I think this is actually going to be an off week for, um, for LeGarrette. Um, so I would definitely go with Antonio Holmes. Nice. Now, uh, now, Dave, uh, getting back to uh, the Redskins, mm. and uh, I, I just, I just have to ask what your reaction was when you find out the day of the game that Donovan McNabb has been extended for five years and given forty million dollars guaranteed, and then uh, that game happens. What goes through a Redskins fan's head? I, I, I it's just more of the same. I mean, this is, this is classic. What's amazing to me is it doesn't matter who the coach is. To a certain extent, it doesn't even matter who the players is. But with Dan <laughs> Schneider ultimately writing the checks, crazy things are going to happen in Washington, D.C. 
Um, I mean, the good news is we, the, the the full contract come out, and at the end of the year, the Redskins can get out after you know shelling out three and a half million dollars. Uh, if the rest of this doesn't work out, but it's just it's just unfathomable that they would think that that's a good contract to sign. And especially, I sat down for dinner. I didn't get to watch the first quarter of the game. I was sitting down. I was eating dinner with some people from work. Well, it was and over. One of one of my friends left. Went downstairs. He was leaving. He was going to his two young twins. Um, they're both four or five months old. Came back upstairs and said, "Dave, I just want to let you know the score. It's twenty-eight nothing." And I'm like, "Is that a good?" And he's like, "In the first quarter for the Eagles." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> just the rest of my dinner ruined." I go back to my hotel room and sadly watch the demolition continue. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to my carrots yet on the plate. And and they're down twenty eight nothing. I haven't had a sip of vino, nothing. Exactly. There was not enough vino in the world for Redskins fans on Monday night. No, that that was brutal. Do you think they'll bounce back with a with a uh, just for the gamblers out there? Do you think they bounce back with a good effort this week? I I, I don't. I, I you know the sad thing is I don't think they bounce back uh, with a great effort this week. Um, it's a team that if the offense is not um, what's the word I'm looking for? Good. Um, and the Jesus, <laughs> how do you the, how do you Americans say? How do you Americans use this? What's that word I'm looking for? The defense is can be good, but it's so risky. And our best player is our safety, Leron Landry, and all he does is fly up to the line of scrimmage, hit guys in flex, and it's great for the stats, but it, <laughs> it gives up so many big plays. I. I love that. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a new uh, defensive uh, alignment. You know, go up, hit a guy big and flex, and also make fun of concussions before the game. Exactly. I mean, he's a, he's a class act all the way around. <laughs> yeah, it was. There was a lot of classiness uh, on that field <laughs> on Monday night, especially when Deshaun Jackson decides that their performance uh, were, was like pit bulls being let out of a cage. Yes. Yeah. Stay classy. In a seat. You stay classy, Deshaun Jackson. All right, Dave, we're going on hiatus for a couple of weeks, but we'll talk to you when we get back. We'll probably be uh, uh, done with the fantasy season, but we really – oh, I'm, I'm sorry. we got to get to uh, who's the big site for this week. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? It, here's the good news is we don't have to keep bringing in new sites every week because uh, the best sites are really uh, floating to the top here, so to speak. And when you're talking about Fantasy Godfathers, you're talking about uh, Yahoo, and you're talking about the Bruno Boys. Uh, those three sites, you know, while while the listeners are all on hiatus, use those three sites. That's what's going to get you into the playoffs. That's what's going to take you through the playoffs and into the championship. Awesome, Dave. Well, uh, Fantasy Godfathers has served me pretty well. Seven and three in one league, six and four in the other, and uh, you have served us uh, fantastically. Thanks so much, Dave. And uh, Rutley, be well. Uh, best of the family. Have a great New Year, and we'll talk to you in the New Year. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a good break. All right, Dave. Thanks. thanks, Dave. All right, Dave Rutley from ffadvisor.com, F-F-A-D-V-I-S-O-R.com, uh, and that's our little fantasy five minute. We went about eight minutes with Dave because when your team gets beaten like that, Cal, mm. you got to let a man talk about it because it hurts. Oh, it hurts. That was the fantasy eight with Dave Rutley tonight. That was the fantasy nine and a half. Yeah. With Dave, but you know, like I said, Cal, you can't cut a brother off when his team gets beat like that. You can't. You got to give him the extra four and a half minutes. You got to. <laughs>
Because that team took a beating like I ain't never seen before. And they did not get up. <laughs> of course, we are referring to the Eagles trouncing of the Washington Redskins on Monday night. And guess who the New York football giants play in a battle, in a battle of uh, the NFC East leaders, the Giants and the Eagles, 424-220-1817, the number to call to get in on this. And let's talk Giants, Cal. The showdown when the Warriors in town between the <laughs> Cowboy. Wait, no, the Cowboys was last week, and the Giants lost to them. Now, two guys named us, <laughs> namely us, got on with the Swami last week and decided to call the Giants over Dallas the lock of the century. What? what? Did we go century on that one? Lock of the century. I even I almost added echo in uh, post production, so it would be well. You know what it would be, but uh, and and the Cowboys. I I did say we talked about it, Cal. I said watch out. They may be playing for Jason Garrett's job, and then an hour later, I said it's the lock of the century that the Giants will win. That's true. I do remember that. So anyway, the Giants are coming off this. Uh, boy, did you watch that game? You know, I, I really I only watched a little bit of it because I was and we'll get to the Jets a little bit later. I was kind of invested in the Jet game. Right. And the Jet game went so long that by the time I switched over to the Giant game, it was practically over. Well look, Cal, you, you know, we only get one you know, when you got the family and the wife and the the children's You don't you know, have too much time you to, don't uh, you don't get nine hour football days anymore. No, these are long gone. Yeah. So when I switched over to the Giant game, and I saw, I, you know, I kind of had it on in the background for the first half, but um, it, you know, what I did see was the interception, the the second Eli Manning hundred yard interception of the year. Oh, the, yeah, that was uh, where Nick's was supposed to run a slant, and he right. ran a, a little out, a little cutout, and uh, and of course it went the other way for a touchdown. Right. And you know, look. Did they sneak up on the Giants? Did the Giants maybe overlook them? Was what I mean, you know, that game was what? What was that game? We talked about it. What was that game? What was that game? It's a trap. That's right, Admiral Akbar. You're darn right it was a trap, Admiral Akbar. It was a trap and the rebels fell right into it. Can I ask a question? Sure. Please. Yeah. About this about this trap concept. Go on. You hear so much about the trap game. Yes. If you hear so much about a trap game, wouldn't it, wouldn't all of that talk filter to the players in the locker room that it would cease to be a trap game because you're hearing about it so much that you would pre- prevent it from being a trap game? Are you following me? I think you just, A, blew Dr. Eray's mind. <laughs> <laughs> and B, I, it's a great point. I mean, in, right? this, in this media day and age, how could there even be a trap game anymore? That used to work back in the day where, you, you know, a team would sneak up on you and you wouldn't prepare as hard for a team. And, and, you know, these back in the days where you didn't really watch film of other teams and well, now they well, show up and they beat you. There wasn't the NFL network or there wasn't, you know, you, right. you had like the sporting news <laughs> and it was, a, it was a trap game. How could it be a trap game anymore, Dr. Ray? I, I think it's uh, it's kind of unconscious. I think it's cert- it gets to the certain point where you know there's an e- certain energy level that a that a player has before a game, 
and nothing's going to change that. No matter how many times the media or the uh, you know people ask him the question like, "Is this a trap game?" It, it doesn't matter. Like I think I think it's there's a certain energy level, and that's that. And I think the Giants were flat before this game, and there was nothing going to change that. That's an excellent point. Yeah, that is. Boy, he just uh, he just yeah. hit it right out of the park there. Doctor Ray Stad, everybody. No, but he's not. <laughs> he's he's totally right about that. Now go get your shot, box cow. <laughs> that would have been the spot for PJ to call up and say I was wrong. That's right. <laughs> we need PJ from Jersey on that one to call up and say, Cal, you're wrong. Thanks. Good night. Uh, no, Doctor Ray is right in in this he sense. Did nail it. Yeah. I think there there are perceptions that these players have of teams. Right, you know that are around the league, and they talk to other guys on the team. You know, they they talk to guys on Dallas. They know what's going on. You know, these players fraternize, uh, and, and maybe it's not as much as baseball, but but they do fraternize in football and stuff. These guys are tweeting to each other, they're texting to each other. I think it's just as much in football as it is in baseball. I I, I think there are some still some genuine rivalries and hatred. You know, like Bart Scott's not talking to the Dolphins. You know, no, but isn't isn't Darrell Rivas part of the Ocho Cinco News Network? <laughs> yes, but can you blame him? No, I can't. I mean, I want to be part of the Ocho Cinco News Network. Um, you have to, do you have to apply for that? You do. Oh, you do, and I do not have. I do not <laughs> have the credentials. Uh, well, you don't have a, you don't have an island named after you, so you can't get in. Uh... That's where you're wrong. Oh, actually, there is Saint Pete Island, off the coast of somewhere in Italy. Completely inaccurate. Look, there's still trap games because, as Dr. E. Ray said, it's an unconscious feeling. It's something that just pervades a team as they're getting ready for a game. You can't help but look towards the Eagles this week. You can't help but look towards, uh, look past a team like the Cowboys at 1-7 and seven in complete disarray, especially when you beat them uh, pretty handily and you knocked out their quarterback a couple of weeks before. And I think that's what made it a complete trap game was that they had just played and beaten the Cowboys, what, three weeks earlier, two weeks earlier? Yeah. Which is terrible scheduling, by the way. Terrible. The Giants' schedule is just bizarre this year. They didn't play an NFC East team until, like, what, week seven? Right. Now they play the Eagles and the Redskins four times in the last seven games. Exactly. And that's, you know, if I was a Giant fan, I would not be happy. But, look, they got beat. We all know what the game was. It's a trap! All right, we all know they got Akbard, and now they get the Eagles off the greatest performance in the history of football. Right. Am I exaggerating? No. Cal, I got to ask you a question. Did you see this yesterday, what Schwartz uh, wrote in the Post? Paul about, Schwartz? Yeah, the Giant article that he wrote in the Post. Yes, I read the article about how the Giants can't beat the Eagles, so why even bother trying? Right. So the whole tone of the article is like, not a reverse jinx. I mean, I get what he was trying to do. What Paul Schwartz was, was trying to do was... It was tongue-in-cheek. Right. It was how over-the-top the NFL is right now about the Eagles. Right. And so basically, you know, uh, they have no chance. Perry Fuel should take the week off. You know, they ho- can only hope to stay close. Right. Mike, Mike Evan Roberts mentioned it on WFAN and, and tweeted about it and... You know, he and Beningo thought it was hilarious. I, I, my only problem with that is I don't expect that out of a giant beat writer. In yeah, his, you didn't, you didn't like that. I didn't like it there. I, I, I would have liked it on his blog. Right, but in, in, in actually in the print version of, of yeah. a legitimate newspaper. I mean, well, <laughs> I well, hope, 
I hope you used those Sheila air quotes when you went with uh, legitimate. I did. It's not the National Enquirer, but it is a, you know, the New York Post. Well, sports-wise, yeah. It's supposed to be, you know, a reputable, and he's supposed to be the beat writer. And I don't expect to see that in print. I don't expect to see that article in print. But I think you you called it a disgrace. It was a disgrace. I I did go mad dog on it. You did. (laughs) Give me one. Give me one, Cal. (laughs) It's a disgrace. (laughs) That terrible job. Come on. It's a bad job. (laughs) It's a bad job. You know, Schwartz has got to do his job. He's the McMahon. Um, the the uh, but the thing I didn't like about it was that it it seemed like reverse jinxy to me. Like you're you're a fan, you know. But look, let's get into the nuts and bolts of the game, okay? Michael Vick is coming off one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah. Certainly, the Eagles uh, flash a lot of team speed. Uh, they are four and zero in games that Michael Vick has started and completed. Uh, the Giants pointed to the fact that, they, you know, well, they have lost three times. Well, you know, Mike Vick didn't play those games. Uh, is it a tall task for the Giants? Well, two things, Cal. One, are the Giants sounding the December swoon alarm bell? No. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely not, because I think that the Dallas game was an isolated incident. Okay. You think it was a one-time thing? Like, they, you know, they're never cheating on their wife again. <laughs> one-time, <laughs> one-time affair. Again, and, and it seems to be the running theme here tonight. You go back to the media. The media wants to make you believe that now this is the beginning of the December swoon. The right. annual December swoon that, you know, like the Chargers have their annual November burst. And they, they wake up right around Veterans Day and then they dominate the rest of the way. And the Giants always hit December and they swoon. I don't think that that's happening here. I think the Giants are a good team. I think they slept on the Cowboys last week. And... Tom Coughlin is a good enough coach to pull that team back together to prepare for Philly this week. Now, the other issue for you, Steve, is how good are the Eagles really? Well, this is what we've you know been facing this season in the NFL. It's that every week somebody is the best team in the world. Last week it was the Giants before they took on the Cowboys. In fact, uh, one of our writers on uh, rtusports.com uh, caught looking, as we call him, our, our friend Matty, um, wrote a, an article today about week 11 and about how he's not surprised by anything anymore because it seems like every week there's a new juggernaut. And this week it happens to be the Eagles. They just so happen to be going against last week's juggernaut. Right. So I don't, I don't, again, I don't think the Eagles are the greatest team or are going to run away and go 13-3. and three. I really don't. I, I, I don't think that they, I don't think you know enough about what that offense is with Michael Vick. And I don't think that their defense, frankly, is is consistent enough. You know, they're a lot like the Jets defensively to me. I don't know if they generate enough pressure with just a rushing four. I think their exotic blitz scheme is kind of the deal. And if you can, uh, you know, uh, run some short crosses against it. Now, granted, they they beat the Colts. You know, good team. So I'm not saying they're not Cal, but their defense is, you know, uh, their defense is still a little suspect to me. It is. I would I would agree with that. But look, and 424-220-1817, the number to call. Talk about the NFL. Uh, if you want to talk about the Mets or the Yankees, we could certainly go back to that too. Uh, but, you know, with this giant game on, on Sunday, this is a huge game, obviously. What do you think, Cal, the Giants have to – and now we know the Giants are what, minus five turnover-wise? They're six and three and still minus five turnover-wise. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So, look, they can't turn the ball over. 
obviously. But do you have to run? Can they? Can they? Now they have Steve Smith out. They have key guys on the offensive line out. Mario Manningham is now out. They had to sign Derek Hagan uh, back as a wide receiver because uh, they're thin at wide receiver with Knicks. They have Knicks, um, uh, Hagan, and uh, who else is Manningham? There? And Manningham, right? Didn't Manningham? No, uh, Ramsey's no, Barton. Ramsey's got Barton. Her. I think he's out for the year too. Ramsey's Barton is out for the year. So Manningham, which by the way, Dave. Rutley told us last week to pick up. He did. He said that Manningham was the great pickup because if one of the giant receivers goes down, uh, <laughs> and he was, he couldn't have been more right. Steve Smith will probably be back. Barden is probably lost for the year. Yeah, so, well, they put. I think they put him on IR, so he's gone. Yeah, so they're depleted, Cal. I don't know. What do you see the Giants doing in this game? Do you see them trying to establish the run and, and really controlling the clock and keeping Michael Vick off the field? Absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. The, the key to this game is, is limiting the amount of damage Michael Vick can actually do to you. And the way to do that is to run the ball and keep him off the field. Okay. Now, have you ever seen – now, I know it's been a long time since we've seen Michael Vick play regularly. Uh, but have you ever seen a performance like that on, on Monday night? I mean, that was just ridiculous. Um, not in an actual NFL game. No, I've seen it on Madden. Right, or Tecmo. Yeah, that was – actually, you know what? That was Tecmo-esque. That was a Randall Cunningham Tecmo Bowl performance. You're absolutely right. That right? was more Tecmo, I think, than Madden. I was waiting for him to run uh, back to his own end zone and then just heave the ball 100 yards. <laughs> exactly, because if it was Madden, he would have thrown that FU Madden pick at the <laughs> end. You know, and, and it would have been run back for a touchdown or something. Like, you could never have the ridiculous game on Madden. No. I mean, I had some gr- big-time games, especially when I created myself as a quarterback. I mean, I had some big-time games. But, uh, you know, like like the sports guy always says, there's always that FU Madden pick. Right. I think it was Tecmo. I think you're absolutely right. But either way, it was it was an arcade game. That's what he looked like. You know, you know I, was, I was talking to my dad about this. Last uh, over the weekend, or How whenever. Is Waffle House. How's he doing? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's doing good. <laughs> he's battling a bit of pneumonia. Oh no! But um, he's Cal, fine. he's fine. That makes me nervous, man. No, well, he's fine. All right, he's totally fine. All he's right. had it for about two months, and um, two months. <laughs> what is it? Was he Doc Holiday? Well, you know, he waffles on his health as well. <laughs> what, what is he? A lunger? But that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah, he's working in a coal mine. I mean, what's he got, the black lung? Anyway. Two months. So we were talking about Michael Vick, and he's, and, and he's asking me the question, you know, is he going to go down in history as one of the most talented players ever, ever to play the game? Ever to go to prison? Yeah, and the weird, but the weirdest part about it that we, we, we came up with was, you know, 20, 30 years from now, when people look back at this era, and they're going to look back at, you know, the greatest players of this era. They're going to look at Michael Vick, and they're going to see the five years missing in between. And it's kind of like, yeah, Ted Williams, how many hits would he have had if he didn't go to war? <laughs> how many oh, no. touchdowns would Michael Vick have thrown if he didn't go to jail? <laughs> oh, no. It's just a it's strange so, phenomenon. It's so true, though. Right? It's so, wow. Now, you could make the argument. One could make the argument. And, and no one ever needs... Well, let me phrase this very carefully. But in looking at the Michael Vick that you saw in interviews uh, and, and, and you've seen this year back in the spotlight, 
to me, he's an incredibly different Michael Vick than you saw six years ago. He has to be. Right. I'm saying from a maturity aspect, from right. a uh, – you look at him on the field, and, and uh, it was in the game on Monday night right after they had just gone up like 45 uh, – or the, the, the Redskins scored to make it 45-21. Right. Uh, right at the beginning of the third quarter. And on the ensuing kickoff, the Eagles kick returner tried to get a couple extra yards and fumbled mm-hmm. and fell on it. And Vic grabbed him, you know, in a captain-y way and took him aside and said, you, you don't need to do that. Come on now. Be smart. Right. You know, we're up by, we're up by 25 points here, 27 points, whatever. Be smart. And that was something that, you know, they pointed it out on the telecast. And that's something you never saw out of Michael Vick. You never saw you saw a guy who didn't want to be the leader, who uh, was arrogant, obviously, who had this whole other life going on, obviously, this mm-hmm. this wretched life going on. And you can maybe argue if he goes on to do great things, he's only what like thirty two. I don't even think he might be only thirty. All right, maybe Doctor Ray can look that up for us. But um, he he's young. He's got he's thirty. I'm looking at it right now. Thank you. He's got football ahead of him. You know, if he can put together a solid five or six years here, maybe that's five or six years he never would have put together had everything not gone down the way it did. That's possible. That's a good way to look at it. You know, and and look, do I think that people should get second chances? And we've seen it in sports. I mean, sports is redemption central. Okay, right. from from guys, you know, drug addicts and dr- I mean, please. You know, 90% of our heroes are reformed. Yeah, Yeah. go back to Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle. I mean, any of these guys. Mickey Mantle? Yeah, he was a choir boy. But, you know, (laughs) these guys had flaws and foibles. And if Mickey Mantle had been the guy he was today, forget about it. I mean, look at the the coverage that A-Rod gets because he has one, you know, stripper that he sees in Toronto. Do you imagine if Mickey Mantle was doing what he did today? Forget about it. He'd be all over TMZ. I could tell exactly. you that. He never, he never, uh, he would not have been Mickey Mantle. You know. So what I'm saying is, look, the guy served his time. Is there something wrong with him getting the chance? I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, you know, does that mean my... I don't love dogs? Uh, no, <laughs> I just. I feel like he was he was processed, he was convicted by a jury of his peers, he served time. And you know, what do you you want the guy to be in jail for the rest of his life? Some people do. Well, some people do. You I know I what? Think people are entitled to their opinion. My opinion is that he should be allowed to pursue a career in football. You know, he did his time. The the the, the state has decided that he's rehabilitated. So, Look, let's not, you know, get political. Look, the bottom line is that he's playing football. He's playing at an exceptional level. And like your dad said, if only for those five years. <laughs> uh, I think the Giants obviously have a tall task here, but I think they come out on top this Sunday, Cal. I really do. I, I feel like it's such a rocking chair year right now. The whole league is like that. Yeah, yeah that it's just it's ridiculous. It's a pendulum going back and forth. And one week you're the greatest team since the '85 Bears, and the next week you stink on ice. So, 
I don't think you. I don't think we've ever seen an example or a season where anybody could beat anybody on any given week. Uh, more than this year, and I, I think the Giants will come out and have a really strong performance on the road in Philadelphia uh, on on Sunday, and I th- I think they can win a close game. I think it's going to be a close game. I think if they get in a shootout, they're in trouble. I think the thing I like about the Giants is that they are a good road team. They always seem to play well on the road. They don't seem to let the opposing environment, so to speak, get inside their heads. No, you know? I, I agree. I think they're a strong road team. I think Tom Coughlin is, is you know, look, we've talked about it. He's a strong coach. He's been here before. These guys have went on the road and went to the Super Bowl, uh, and most of the guys have done that. I, I think the Giants can get the win this week, but uh, it's going to take a Herculean effort to slow down Michael Vick. 424-220-1817, the number to call uh, to talk to Cal and Sam Pete and Dr. E. Ray Stat, who brings us statistics. And speaking of uh, stats in the football, uh, National Football League, Dr. Iray, uh, if you get a chance, give us a little update on that Bears and Dolphins game. I'm actually watching it As, right uh, now. Is your name Dr. Iray? I'm sorry. I mean, I asked for one thing. I'm sorry. I'm going to let him give you the score, and then I've got something to say about it. All right. Well, he's, he's shy. <laughs> there it is. He's shy Ronnie. Look... <laughs> Sixty nothing Bears shutting out Yancey Tyler Thigpen. Sixteen. That's sixteen. That's what I said. Sixteen. Sixty. Is Michael Vick playing in that game? He's not. So what I wanted to tell you about that game real quick is they just showed a uh, they had a shot of Chad Pennington on the sideline with his arm in a sling, and for a minute I felt bad. I'm like, oh look at the poor guy. His arm's in a sling. His season is over. And then I realized that's usually how you see him, Chad Pennington, <laughs> is standing on the sideline with his arm in a sling. Was that like his third pass when he got hurt the other day? Second pass of the second, game? Second play of the game, I think. I mean, Chad. It's sad. Finish. I mean, you, you feel bad for him. Finish. Dr. E. Ray has a Chad Pennington story. Dr. E. Ray, what, what happened? Did you and Chad? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, as you guys know, I'm currently rehabbing my shoulder. Uh, I tore a couple of muscles in my rotator cuff, and the rehab place that I go to was rehabbing Chad when he had his first shoulder injury with the Jets. And uh, basically, they're telling me that I need to go through this rigorous throwing routine when I play softball once a week to get my arm back in shape. <laughs> and they're telling me today, Chad never did it. He rushed back from his injury, never Shut did the throwing up. routine that I'm going to do to play softball once a week. I said, how's that possible? They go, he was just so crazy to get back that he, he never did the throwing routine we recommended. I guess that's why this that happened scoop? a subsequent three times right yeah. after that first time. God, how, did, you know, how, does a professional organ- how does a professional organization let that happen? Yeah, well, you're talking I, about listen. the Jets. <laughs> right, the old Jets. Right, the old Jets. That, yeah. He, uh, well, that was under Herm, right? That was Herm, exactly. So Herm was like, he he said he's healthy. I'm gonna play him. He said, look at him, look at him. He looks great. <laughs> <laughs> he looks strong. Need him back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I cannot believe that, Ev. Now he has gone on to hurt his el- his shoulder three times and. You know, this last one, it's not like he got the front fenders rattled. 
I mean, it was not a huge hit at all. It kind of no. just hit the ground. Yeah, it kind of looked... So you had a professional football player who uh, would tear a rotator cuff, apparently putting his helmet on. Ah, uh, that's just... Uh, you know what? That's sad. That makes me it's sad. It's a shame, though, yeah. I want to take out my Chad Pennington New York Jets 10 jersey now. And I'm just going to... Listen, I, I said this from day one, you know... Uh, just retire already so I can start wearing it as a vintage Jets jersey for Christ. That's right. <laughs> exactly. And retire before you accidentally win something with the Dolphins. Well, yeah, that's, vital. that's vital. It, yeah, no, I know they're not going to, but you never know. They could stumble somehow into a Super Bowl or something, and then the next thing you know, I can never wear that 10 jersey. Steve, yeah, or or retire, before your, retire before your arm falls off. <laughs> it literally falls off on the field. Like during the game. Right. It turns out into a Zucker Brothers movie, and your arm falls <laughs> off on the field. Uh, so they, the Dolphins losing 16 nothing, which is good for the, the Jets, guys. That was a cue there. The Jets. Oh, oh. Right. Jets. Let's talk about J- the Jets. Do that again. Do that again. The Dolphins losing 16 nothing, which is good for the Jets. Jets. <laughs> Are you are you taking something? Are you on medication? Because I'm on medication. I'm just drinking tea. So if I was a little slow, I'd have an excuse. Just drinking tea. Right. I think Dr. E. Ray is into the vino. <laughs> he could be. Hey, Yancey Thigpen was just intercepted again. Tyler, don't call me Yancey Thigpen. Right. Yeah. yeah. How about you know, How about that game? How about that game? I, I don't know about you, but I was ready to take a tie. Really? I don't know if I've ever watched a football game where I actually said, you know what, if they tie, not the worst thing that can happen. Oh, quick quick story. <laughs> My wife knew the overtime rules better than Nick Folk. <laughs> so, Nick, really, really brush up. You know, she even she even said, didn't they change it for the playoffs or something? Wow. Yeah, no, she's sharp. She they could have used her. They could have used her on one of those three missed field goals. Also, I think she kicked better. Yeah. Now, so two things here, Cal. One, I, I heard an interesting point on. Uh, I I don't know if it was Francesa or, or uh, Evan and Joe, but would you pick up Jeff Reed if you're the no. Jets just to put a little pressure on Folk and also because he's going to want to stick it to the to the uh, to the Stillers. I I I, I mean. I, I don't do that. You know what I mean? I think that's like playing a mind game that you don't need to play, but I thought it was an interesting... Uh, There's a lot of mind games being played, especially in the AFC East where, you know, they keep picking up guys that the other team cuts. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you know? That's pretty much par for the course. Uh, you know, and in some cases, it's paying off dividends when you release Danny Woodhead and he becomes your leading rusher. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I'm not comfortable with Nick Folk. I'm sorry. No, certainly not. And I'm... I'm look... This Jets team has nothing to apologize for. Uh, I, I heard Francesa getting on uh, Rex Ryan the other day. He got on him today, too. But he got on Rex Ryan the other day for uh, saying at the beginning of these press conferences, hey, we'll take it. It wasn't pretty, but we'll take it. You know, you don't have to apologize for anything, Rex. You got lucky and you won the games, but you don't have to say that. Well, actually, he does when it's asked. Right, that's A. They're asking the question. Do you think you were lucky to and, win? And when the last time that that happened, that he didn't 
make that comment, which was after, you know, at the end of last season when they made the playoffs. With the Colts game, right. You didn't win nothing. You didn't right. win anything. Don't right. be walking around like you won something. Exactly. So now he can't he, – now he says they're lucky and he's wrong. He right. should have said it last – whatever. He should just play for the Mets. The point, <laughs> the point is that they're winning these games. It doesn't make a difference how they're winning them. We've talked, we talked about this a lot last week. They did correct some of the little things, uh, but they still had too many penalties. And Cal and Dr. E. Wright, they still cannot rush the quarterback. It's been talked about ad nauseum. I know this. They still cannot put any pressure on the quarterback without having to, to blitz. Now, guys, I want to ask you, and we've talked about this a lot, Revis being back healthy lets them do things they weren't able to do the first five weeks. They said this week that they're only top five in defense, and that's an embarrassment. And I like that. I like that attitude. But is there anything this team can do to put pressure on the quarterback without sending six or seven guys? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I don't know if that front line has the ability to to create the pass rush that they need. Do where you, you can th- drop the linebackers back. I mean that 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 seems to be what happens here. They they send the linebackers, and they just dink and dunk over the middle. And and they drive the length of the field. I mean, and especially the opening drives of the, of every game. Right. Well, it's it's the Jets, you know, being in man, okay, man on the corners and man on the outside. And they've been talking about this all week. And the, and teams are hitting crossing routes mm-hmm. underneath because they're not in zone or the rub or the pick. You know, we saw that that Stucky play where he fumbled in overtime was it was sort of like a half rub half pick. Either way, it's going to be open all the time. My question, my question to you guys is, is it just simply because Rex does not trust a four-man rush to get there that he, you know, it's either a three-man rush or seven guys coming? I mean, does, it, does he not trust that they'll get there? Is that why he never runs it? I don't know. Maybe? <laughs> That's a good question. Dr. Erie, what do you think? You know, I, listen, I... Last year, it just seemed it was, it was you rushed the house, you know, on every play, especially all the big third downs. This year, it seems a little bit different. They they've changed it a little bit. I think for some reason they've decided to to go with this defense. But if you look at what it does, it actually prevents teams from scoring in the red zone a little bit. You know, aside from the the, the quick drive towards the end of the game uh, by the Browns, you know, they seem to hold players in check and prevent that big play. Um, maybe this is their calculated design. They they want they want to you know they'll allow the middle of the field and they get to the twenties and they clamp down. Right. I mean, I think they're the, the interesting thing is we expect this defense because they've certainly talked it to be this ferocious eighty-five Bears, two thousand Ravens type defense, and they're not. And that two thousand Ravens defense, by the way, only had like eighteen sacks. Okay, just FYI. Everybody thinks that they were this grandiose pass rushing team. They were not, but they could get to the quarterback and put pressure on the quarterback with just four guys. But they only had like 18 or 20 sacks. They were not a huge sacking team. Okay, but I think we expect them to be this, and they're not right now. They're not that dominant defense. And like you said, Dr. Ray, they're kind of playing bend, don't break a little almost. And it's, it's, it's going to cost them when you, when you play a Tom Brady, when you play a Eli Manning, when you play Phillip Rivers – uh, other teams that they might see in the playoffs. I, I'm worried that it's going to cost them this week when you play against the Shab with a lot of weapons. 
I, you know, but those, I, those teams, you know, Brady and, and, and the Colts, the way they're designed right now, their, their running game is not great, and I think the Jets will beat a team like that. Um, the problem that I worry about is a team that has a little bit of uh, a balance. Like, I'm a little worried about the, about the Texans this, this week. You know, this is a team that can run and they can throw, and, you know, they have the weapons. Um, I, I think this is the type of team that would give the Jets a lot of trouble. I, I agree, Cal. Do you think that? Do you? What do you think here? You, you've seen a difference from last year to this year. I think in this defense, in the sense that the blitzing schemes to me don't seem as exotic, or maybe they're just picked up on. Do you I think, think that? I think they're picked up on. Yeah, I, I, I see. I saw a lot more creativity last year. I think he's being. To me, he sends a lot more delayed blitzes and stuff like that. I mean, you saw it against the Colts, and then when it came time, and, and they did a good job against the Colts all game. They really did. You know, they had the one drive at the at the, uh, uh, the the beginning of the game that was again aided by a penalty. I mean, how many times is that going to happen? And, and you know that that's actually my my point here is you worry about you get the you, you get a team on third down and you think that you're out of it. You hold them on third down and then it gets called back for a penalty and you give them another chance and they're getting away with it because they're playing teams that are not upper echelon teams and like you said Steve once they get in the playoffs or even later in the season when they start playing the good teams like like the Patriots and the Steelers those are teams that are going to take advantage of those mistakes and they got to get that cleaned up soon well look they 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 absolutely do and I think they need to put more pressure on the quarterback in a conventional way I don't know if they can I don't know if it involves you know Cal can you get a guy like Jamal Westerman involved and use him on third downs to rush the quarterback you know some fresh legs even if you're bringing five guys and you're only bringing that one linebacker off the edge, or I mean, obviously Rex Ryan knows a little bit more about defense than I do. But you know, just as an outside observer, you really want to see them be able to put pressure on the quarterback, not even get sacks. Just hurry the quarterback, only bringing four or at most five guys. So we'll see. This I think this Texan team, especially at home where the Jets are two and two presents a unique set of problems for the Jets this week. I mean, you have Andre Johnson going up against Revis. And this is the second week out of three where Revis is matched up again against the premier receiver. And that is worth the price of admission, Cal. Absolutely. Like, I, this is the kind of game that I'll DVR or I'll, I'll catch the replay on the NFL Network just to watch those plays. Now, let me ask you a question. You're going to this game, right? I am not. Oh, you're not. I am out. Okay. You're out. Okay. If you were going to this game, let's, let's take it from that angle. Yes. If you were going to this game, now Rex Ryan has yes. implored the fans to get yes. in their seats by the beginning of the game. What do you think of that tactic? Are you okay with the coach telling the fans what they should be doing? I I have no problem with it, except for the fact that what I'd like to say to Rex is, uh, it, it unfortunately takes me 45 minutes to get to my seat. So right. I'm I'm leaving for my seat for a 1 o'clock, 105 kickoff, I'm leaving for my seat at 12.30. That should be ample time for me to get to my seat. It does take a long time to get in the stadium. It, it, it really does. I shouldn't have yeah. to leave the tailgate at 12.05 and take an hour to get to my seat. There's probably, you know, you had people calling up about it, about the giant game this week. There's problems right. with the escalator. Look, it's a one point. They had a blackout, for God's sake. <laughs> they had a blackout. Oh, a brand new stadium. It blacks out. Brand new. And they had a transistor go out or something. <laughs> At the time, I pictured, like, uh, what's the guy from Airplane? Being like Johnny. 
Pulling the plug. Oops, just kidding. <laughs> when he pulls the plug on the runway. Yeah. I pictured Johnny doing that, like in the new oh. Meadowlands. Oops, just kidding. Uh, How did they, that happen? That's crazy. Yeah, they had a blackout. Uh, it's a it's a sterile one point six million dollars a billion dollar disaster. It really is. You you're gonna go so far as to call it a disaster? I'm gonna go so far as to tell you this, and I, this is news right here on the show. I am not renewing my tickets next year, and neither is Uncle Tommy, and neither are, uh, is the family. I am not. We're not renewing our tickets next year, and I'll tell you why. It is a eight hour hassle to go to a game. It is a hassle. I give you that. And I'm better off in my living room. Not to mention, and it's unfortunate. Not to mention any games that I want to go to next year, I'll just buy on the secondary market. That's true. Because of PSLs, I'll wind up I'll wind up paying ten dollars more a seat. And you'll be sitting in better seats too. I'll be sitting in better seats. I still have all my tailgate gear. Interesting. And we'll figure out what two games we want to go to next year, Cal. And we'll go. I like you know, it because because it's too much of a hassle. Well, and 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 you are much closer to New Jersey than I am. You know, it's for true. me, you know, for for it's a hassle for you. For me, I remember last year we were talking about going uh, for the Blizzard game. Right, right. I yep. couldn't even I couldn't even get out of my my house. It would have taken me, no joke, it would have taken me five six hours just to get there. Yeah, no. I, I mean, it, there are nights. It. There are nights where it takes me three hours to get home from the game. It's not worth it. <laughs> Monday night that ends at midnight. That's, that's the other problem. It. How many how many prime time games are they going to have next year? I mean, they're playing on Thanksgiving for crying out loud. Yeah, I ain't going. No. I mean, I, I, you know, as Evan, as Evan so succinctly put it, we're in baby watch. That's what it is. Panda watch. <laughs> Stupid panda jerk. Uh, it is baby watch. Right, so I, I can't be in New Jersey right now. Uh, no. That would make for a good story, though. The night you were born, <laughs> your father... <laughs> I can just hear it now. Your father... was that? Uh, oh, my wife's from Texas, so it would, be like, it would not be your father. <laughs> that, would be, that would be my mother saying that. Uh, uh, it'd, be like I, that new, it'd be like that movie that's out, right? Due date... That's right. <laughs> there would be some wacky hijinks with you getting from the Meadowlands. Right. Uh... right. That's right. There would be some, uh, I got to get home. <laughs> and Zach uh, Galifianakis shows up. You come into your cab. Look, they got uh, two games in five days, Cal. You think that's a problem? Because the of the aforementioned Thanksgiving game. And by the way, hey, thanks, NFL. I don't want it. Why 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 was Woody Johnson all pumped up to have a home Thanksgiving game? It's not bad. Oh, come on. Why not? Who wants to go to a Thanksgiving game? Nobody wants to go, right? Forget about going, but when you're sitting there at Thanksgiving dinner and you have the jet game to look forward to at night, I think that's kind of cool. As Absolutely, a- but don't put it at home. Right, but do it on the road. Exactly. Let someone else host it. Exactly. I'll Make give you it that. somebody else's problem. <laughs> hey, look, in Dallas and Detroit, they you know they have it down to a science. I mean, right. they, their, their Thanksgiving days are built around the game and family yeah. customs and who goes to the game and who watches it. And, you know, th- those are great. You can't rotate it every year now. You know, I heard a story that 
uh, Mark Sanchez actually paid for a Thanksgiving dinner for the Jets and all of their employees last week. Did you yeah, hear this story? That. Yep. I, yeah. Again, the kid the kid is really stepping up, Cal. I, I mean, he made some plays in that in that game oh. uh, on Sunday, and his escapability and coming back. You and I were texting. I thought he should take himself out. He did not look right on the calf. No, not at and all. He, he comes back, and Jericho Cotri. I mean, gee whiz. That's that's yeah. a play you will see forever. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that Jericho Cotri has long been a favorite uh, a player of mine. Quiet guy. That was just a ridiculously good catch. And the Jets win in overtime in, in ridiculously dramatic fashion with Santonio Holmes again making a play in overtime. First team ever to win back-to-back games in overtime, by the way. Yes. And you know what else? You know what else I thought? What's that? I was going to tweet this, but then I said, you know what? I'm going to save it for the show. Nice. What happened the last time a troubled wide receiver wearing number 10 from Pittsburgh came to New York? Uh, Plexico? Think about it. He shot himself in the leg? Before that. Oh, before, right. Uh, was he 10 with, uh, Pittsburgh? Well, no, he was 10 when he became 10 with the Giants. No, he was 17 with the Giants. Oh, so then he was 10 with Pittsburgh. Had to be. Right. Because he, well, no. he, he was 17 he, with the Giants. Yeah, no, he was 80 with Pittsburgh. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have a guest. <laughs> it's not been my finest hour tonight. <laughs> wow, that was well done, Cal. Oh boy, I <laughs> should, have, should have just tweeted it. Well, no, but you had you you had the comparison is Braylon Edwards. I did that last year. Remember, troubled yeah. wide receiver wearing seventeen comes to New York. That's right. And wears seventeen with New York, big tall wide receiver with stone hands from an AFC North team. From an, a, a pla- <laughs> That's right. Plexico and Braylon Edwards. There you go. Look, oh, a, a fantastic job by by Sanchez uh, in that game. The escapability that we talked about and making throws on the run and also just really being very calm, very in control, throwing that slant with 24 seconds on the clock to Holmes uh, and not even thinking twice about it. And I, I think this is a huge uh, week for him because uh, Houston, we could throw on Houston. Our old... Yeah. Our old flag football team, the Juggernauts, would have a field day running crisscross all day. I, I read another stat. Sanchez has the most passing yards of any quarterback in the NFL over the last three games. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. And he threw That's for crazy. he threw for two ninety nine last week. Mm-hmm. And he would have been the there were thirteen quarterbacks to throw for three hundred yards last week. He would have been fourteen. Wow. So there were thirteen and one guy who threw for two ninety nine. So uh, by the way, remind me. After we, we get to uh, the Swami slash Count Broccoli, remind me to tell Evan that uh, Kev McWalters came up with the best comparison for him. We were talking flag football for some reason. For some reason, we were talking juggernauts. Right. You might he as well had, just say it now. He had the best comparison for Evan. Remember, we always Evan was a great wide receiver on those teams. Dr. Yeah. E. Ray Stat. Fantastic wide receiver on our, our flag football teams. And uh, he could not be stopped. He just could not be stopped. And you, you couldn't figure out how he could get open. They would put the fastest guy on him. They would double cover him. And he was, we always called him Corbett, right? Right. He's not Steve Smith. Oh. Carolina, Carolina Steve Smith. Carolina Steve Smith. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's bring in, uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Let's bring in uh, Count Broccoli. Hello, hello, hello. With one minute left in the show, 
I like no, to, no, uh, no, 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 Count Broccoli. No, 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 no. We would never do that. We're going to 11:30 tonight, my friend. I know. I was just, I was just so mesmerized by your outstanding display of sports knowledge that I was just dumbfounded. Wow. Have you been drinking Count Broccoli? Welcome. Well, actually, I, I figured all your conversation uh, about the uh, the last week's football scoring and the, the Jets and their overtime double win and all this just it was amazing to me that you just wow. kept going on and on. Come on, it's over and done with. Let's get on with Week Eleven. Come on, absolutely. All well, the games we're, out. We're ready to go, Swam. Uh, okay, because so, you wait, know what wait, they wait. say. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> A little bit. Wonderful, wonderful. You last week. What did you go last week? We got to talk about what you went last week for. Yeah, I was four for seven. I got my lock of the week uh, done. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. The lock of the week was the Bears last week over the Vikings. The Count Lockley of the week, and you got it correct. So even though there were some guffaws in the audience when I made my selection, I've heard those. But uh, yes, there were. Well, let's get to this week. And, Let's uh, get to this week. You throw sti- it at me, and we'll see what happens. We're sticking with the format where we throw the games at you. Exactly. And uh, you, I, I will go first. I will get the ball rolling. Ball rolling. Don't don't say anything about the Chicago Bear Miami Dolphin game. Okay, you DVRing it or? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not doing anything with it. I, I made my selection <laughs> prior to today and. But it, it's, it's I, don't don't ask me for a pick. I mean, it's unfair at the stage of the game. But go ahead. Of course it is. All right, let's start off. I, I'm going to start right in on it and go with a humdinger: the New England Patriots, fresh off beating the Steelers. You had the Steelers uh, against the Indianapolis against the Indianapolis Colts, four fifteen on Sunday in Indianapolis. Who do you like? Wow, you know Peyton Manning has thrown five touchdown passes the last five games, right? Sure. Uh, it's gonna be tight. It's gonna be tight. I guess I have to. I I know a lot of people are picking the Patriots. I mean the Patriots. Don't forget uh, seven and two, but the Colts are six and three. All right, I'm gonna swing in favor of uh, the Colts. I think I'll All buck right. the tide and go with the Colts. Might might only be by a touchdown, but I'll, I'll go with the Colts. All right, Cal, you go. Okay, I got a good one for you. Packers and Vikings. This is Brett Favre facing his old team in Minnesota. Oh, so that's where the Packers and Yeah, Green Bay's playing in Minnesota. I mean, it's just reversal. 6-3, right, for the Packers. 3-6 for the Vikings. Uh, I don't see anything happening here. That's going to be exciting to me. But uh, I'll take Green Bay. Might might just be by a, a field goal, but I'll take Green Bay. All right, Doctor E. Ray, what do you got? Because I don't think they're going to be keeping you know Brett uh, in, in that game forever. But go ahead. Yes. All right. All right. How, have, how have, about the uh, How about the Monday night game, Denver to at San Diego? Oh, we're going all the way out on the. You know uh, that that's a good one. Uh, San Diego Chargers. Uh, uh, they did the right thing when they were supposed to. Uh, it'd probably be a good shootout, you know. Uh, let's try. Uh, let's go with the Chargers. Right. I know the Chargers in that one. Are, 
Now, yeah, Swam. I think I'm gonna take it. Now, Swam. All right, let's uh, let's get to the Washington Redskins at the Tennessee Titans. Washington coming off the yeah. spanking, and Tennessee coming I off know. a loss to Miami. What do you got? I think they're pretty evenly matched. I mean, McNabb, you know, uh, should prove to be the Redskins quarterback for 2011. But uh, <laughs> at least, uh, at least. I mean, I'm really not going out on. You know, I, I, I'm going to take the Titans. I know they're playing in Washington, but I'm going to take the Titans. All right, very good. Now let's on this one. The ball game. I believe uh, now. Cal, did we? Did we okay, we didn't do this one. Okay, uh, so St. Louis Rams off a tough loss to the 49ers, and the Atlanta Falcons off a big win over the Ravens. Yeah. What do you like? I, I like the uh, Falcons well, once again. They're seven and two. Uh, their winning record, you know, is definitely earned. It isn't uh, a fluke. So, I, in fact, I was going to make that my lock of the week. All right, so we got the Falcons as the Count Brockley of the week. Yeah, love it. All right, let's uh, let's keep the ball rolling, as it were. Swam malicious. Uh, let's go to KC and you know, Arizona. You know, you know what, what, which one? KC and Arizona at oh, Arizona. Hey, I knew you were going to do that. You, you know, I hate Arizona. I, I hate know you hate them. They're, just, they're awful. They've been, I mean, I, I could have lost the ranch on Arizona. Yes. They're about as useless to You know, the, the Arizona Cardinals this year are about as useless to me as an inflatable dartboard. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> well, it, it, just wait for it, Cal. It's like a joke grenade. You'll get it. Oh, right. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so who do you who do you like in that one? And now I know the 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 Cardinals have really become like your nemesis team. Yeah, yeah. You're not, I mean, a, but KC coming off a drubbing at the hands of yeah. the Broncos, where they were and, down forty-two nothing in the first five and they minutes. They are playing out in Arizona. I know they're playing yeah. in Arizona. Theoretically, the home field. I'm still going to take the Chiefs. You like the Chiefs, please? Yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs. All right, and I'm going to end with the big one, game number seven. Uh, uh Uh-oh. Oh, the big one. You didn't think I was going to let you off the hook, did you? Uh, I I was hoping. You know what's coming now. The football giants. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You know, they're really not – I've been reading some of the – some of the uh, after-game comments. I've been reading some of the Philadelphia Eagle uh, uh, fan uh, things they've been saying, and, and the, the, the Giants are going in here as underdogs. I mean, think about it, underdogs. Yes. You know, I mean, like, uh, I mean, here's a, a game that's going to be played late on Sunday night in, in yes. Philadelphia. Yeah. Anything could happen in that dopey town. Sure you know? could. What do you, uh, do you it, it's, it's it's more than likely going to be uh, Philadelphia over uh, the Giants, but uh, I'm going to give Coughlin, uh, the, uh the, the tip of my hat and, and say they're going to just upset, you know, do an upset in this game, but they're going to come back and, and show what they're, they're supposedly really made of. So, so they're going to go Giants. down the turnpike. To, yeah, they're going to go down to Philadelphia uh, on the turnpike, and I think they're going to come back victors. All right, so you like the Giants over the Eagles? Wow, big one! And, yeah, and Coach well, Tom Coughlin. A lot of it. A lot of it. Don't forget, a lot of it is, is uh, tempered with my, <laughs> you know, uh, emotions. But uh, 
Yes, and I mean, also I'm not even should... bring. You know, I mean, this is a tough game for you uh, on Sunday between the Houston Texans and the New York Jets. That's I correct. Mean, I have some uh, some home rooting have, there. Yeah, the Texans, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're torn between. You know, I'm not really torn. It's not really. How do you think's going to win? I think the Jets I'm are going to win a football game. game. I think the Jets. I think the Jets are going to win. Well, they should. I mean. Yes, I mean, I, and and you know what? If they do win, I'll probably you know send an email to my father-in-law and say uh, how you like them apples. Yeah, and he may <laughs> send a lot of other things back your way. <laughs> Is that a good course of action? Would you not recommend that? <laughs> hey, what do you, what do you guys think about Hasselbeck playing with with broken bones in his wrist? Well, it's his left hand, right? His left I don't care what hand it is. Well, he's a football <laughs> player. He's, he's tough. Oh, he's a football player. Yes, that explains it. That, I mean, I what do you think about him doing it? You know, I think, think it's, it's a I smart think, move. I think it's courageous. I think it's tough. I think he's a football player. I think it's what he gets paid for. Uh, you know, uh, rub some dirt on it, get back in the game. Who needs your uh, left wrist? Anyway? I mean, he's going against New Orleans. <laughs> yes, he is. Did you want to pick that I mean, game or something? <laughs> oh no, I can pick that. That 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 I can do that one. One, listen, watch. I know this is radio, but watch. I'm closing my eyes. I can still pick New Orleans to win that one. I mean, you don't have to be a Ooh. rocket scientist. All right, so the bonus pick, Doctor Ray, make sure you got that New Orleans over Seattle. The bonus pick. It's like an extra track on an album. It's like a an like extra a bonus track, track on an album. Hey Swamp, hey, what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to do? You could tell. The fan base, uh, the two or three people who are still listening, what do you intend to do during your hiatus? <laughs> yeah, we're, what, what, the first thing we're going to do is work on getting a bigger fan base so you can't make fun of us anymore. <laughs> no, I, that, that's, you're misinterpreting my comments, gentlemen. Hey, let me ask you, Swam. I, I know that you uh, – I'm not even going to dignify that with an answer. Let, let me ask you. I know you're, uh, you're, you dabble as a Met fan. And uh, I'm wondering. Uh, you moonlight. You moonlight. That's right. You moonlight as a Met as a Met fan. Who do you like uh, for the manager? Very few people. Very few people sunlight as as a Met fan. But uh, <laughs> we only come out at night. Who do you like exactly. as the uh, as the manager? Who do you like, Swamp? Oh, you're talking about the Terry Collins, Wally Backman thing. Right, Backman, Collins, uh, Chip Hale, or Bob think, Melvin. I was just gonna. Well, I was just gonna say. Do you think Collins and Backman have the the, the, the runaway lead on these things? No, we don't think so at all. We had uh, Patrick oh, Flood on okay. earlier, and and he was saying he thinks it's going to be Melvin because he's the safest choice. Yeah, Bob Melvin is the safest choice if you think about it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Melvin. Be honest with you. I mean, who you, well, he's who, got who, managing experience, you know. Who is the swamp uh, picking? <laughs> no, I have to pick a future manager. Okay, that's right. Yeah, well, uh, I have a. I have a, a a gut feeling, you know, that it, it might be uh, Terry Collins. Oh wow! All right, so the Swamp likes Terry Collins. Well, Swamp. No, no, I didn't say I like him. I didn't say <laughs> oh, I like him. I think like him to get the job. I, I didn't. I didn't mean. I'd to like imply- to see Rusty Staub for crying out loud get the job, but that's not. You know. <laughs> I didn't mean to imply that you and you know Terry Collins were going to go out on a date, but uh, <laughs> I, not I that just, there's anything. Not, not that, that there's anything wrong with that. that. If he asked, now, there's a new guy. Did you guys hear about uh, Ken Oberkfeld being uh, uh, possibly tapped for this job? 
No, I, I I thought they were down to the final four, right? They interviewed no, over. No, no, I I had a guy call me and tell me actually what I thought of. I said, well, you know, he'd probably just as good as the others, if not better. You know, come out of left field. Sure, I think it's going to be no. Melvin, but uh, if it's Terry Collins, you know, uh, the Swam is right again. I don't know. I know with Omar and I are gone, every, anything is going to be an improvement. So. That's right. All right, Swam. Well, uh, listen, thank you for the well, prognostications. When, when can we expect you back? Oh, that all, that all depends on the next show? That all depends on uh, what the little guy who uh, who's, who's on his way ah, decides. Yes, I, know. I got so. you. All right, guys. Have a great <laughs> holiday season, you know, and we'll yes. see what happens on our return. Swam, you keep your powder dry, pal. Take care, Dr. E. Ray. Take care, Cal. All Thank right. you, Swami. All right. The Swam <laughs> with his uh, his last prognostications of the year. As uh, we'll be back uh, a little later on. And, uh, fellas, we got about another, uh, you know, 17, 18 minutes here of show. 424-220-1817 is the number to call for those two people that are still listening. As Swam was nice enough to point out. Can I bring up one thing real quick? Just Absolutely. I'm going off the grid. It's not on the ru- it's not on the rundown. It's not on our outline. Rogue? I'm going, going rogue. Oh boy, I'm totally going rogue. Did you happen to see either one of you? Did you happen to see Deadspin's uh, the the website Deadspin their list of the 100 worst NFL players of all time? I did not. I heard about it, but I did not. It was kind of in response to N- the NFL Network recently just ran. Yeah. The top one hundred the top one hundred players in NFL history, Deadspin followed up with the uh bottom one hundred players in NFL history. And number one on that list? Number one on that list, I don't I've never heard of this. He's a quarterback for the Cardinals and the Bears from nineteen eighty through nineteen eighty four, Rusty Lish. <laughs> I've never that's heard of ma- him. that's a made up name. No. <laughs> Rusty Lish. He threw one touchdown in hundred and fifteen career passes. It was a uh, the pass traveled a single yard to tight end Doug Marsh. <laughs> Rusty Lynch, Doctor Ire, uh, can you <laughs> uh, can you uh, bring up where did Rusty Lish go to college? <laughs> was that Wasn't the that, uh... you want to know <laughs> the University of uh, Our Lady of the Blind Miracle? Was that was that Oral Roberts? I, let me check that out. <laughs> oh, will you two be eating crow shortly? Oh, was that a hint? So Lish. It, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a hint. Rusty Lish was uh, the backup to Joe Montana at Notre Dame. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So he is he's considered by Deadspin to be the worst NFL player ever. Yes. And did you have to I, – I, I did – you know, Boomer and Carton said this morning, though, that uh, Carton said that uh, Everett MacGyver was on the list. He was like 92. Of worst NFL players, and I remember him quite well because he's the guy who got Boomer and almost killed. That's right. In Buffalo in uh, 1994, and I was at that game in Buffalo. Oh, wow. And I, I, I think I've talked about it on the show before. If I haven't, that was the hardest hit I have ever seen in my life. I've been going to football games for 20 years, and Ev, Cal, when I tell you, and they said it on the air today. They said it that the the one uh, player thought he was dead. Right. I literally thought there was like the comic book like implant in the ground. <laughs> like his body, his body was like implanted in the ground. 
like the cartoon character going through the wall, and there was like, right, a like, like the Kool Aid guy. Exactly. This was like his body in the ground, and it was <laughs> it was on, on and off sides before they had unabetted to the quarterback. Right. So they didn't blow the whistle, and Everett McIver jumped, and, and Bruce Smith killed Boomer Siason. So I'm glad that Everett McIver, who used he to carry, he uh, he used to carry the flag in his back pocket. Right. <laughs> he would be like, oh, you mean this? Yeah, let me exactly. let me help you, Mr. Official. I'll throw it for you myself. Not a problem. Well, well I want to get to uh, I want to get to Doctor E. Ray and the yeah, doctors. Yeah, do But real quick, the the worst jet on the list, you'll get a kick out of this. Was not Clock- Everett MacGyver? No, clocking in at number thirteen. Oh, let me guess. Give me give me an era. Give me an era. Nineteen eighty through nineteen eighty four. Wow, could have been plenty. Yeah, boy, there's a lot to choose from there. He's an offensive player. Johnny Lamb Jones. He got it. Wow. His Olympic speed had the Jets dreaming of Jones and Wesley Walker flying past AFC cornerbacks. Walker was blind in one eye but caught every Richard Todd spiral thrown his way. Jones, blind in neither eye, did not. (laughs) There you go. Oh, boy. Well, it is time for the Doctor is In segment with Dr. E-Ray Stat, and uh, I don't have music for this, E-Ray, so I'm just going to play this. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. And then... Let, let me explain. It's so appropriate. No. <laughs> I love it. And, that, and then I'm going to play this. Inconceivable! Yes. And then I'm going to go like this. You to get two of your favorite lines ever into uh, the show. <laughs> and then I'm going to go like this. Ooga. The morning all right, all right. Settle down. <laughs> Ready to unload. Ready to unload. Ready to unload. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Go ahead. Ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete. In the evening. <laughs> Sorry. I'm ready. He's going to kill us. He is going to kill us now. Uh, go, let's go for it. The doctor is in with Dr. E. Ray Stat. A real doctor, folks. <laughs> Well, I'm a real doctor asking non-doctoring questions. All right, folks, let's start off with you, Cal. The Isles' new coach. Uh, does this work out? Is this the Isles treading water before they eventually move to Kansas City? What's going to happen here? <laughs> they're, not, they're not even treading water anymore. They're just at, at the bottom of the pool, walking around on the floor of the, of the ocean. I, I can't describe it worse than that. It's horrible. It's an absolute horrible disgrace of a situation right now um but it looks like we might have a caller i think we do i think it's it's pj from new jersey so you want to take him for a second and then we'll get back to the uh to the uh, uh doctors in um <laughs> if it were up to our producer <laughs> uh let's let's uh, let, let's well you know we're really well into it but let's let's take him. PJ from New Jersey, you are on with uh, Cal and Sam Pete on Ready to Unload. How are you, pal? Am I too late for my interview? <laughs> you are way too late for your interview. You're actually interrupting. Um, you're interrupting the Doctor is in segment, so I only have I'm, literally a minute for you. Oh, I thought the whole last uh, half hour was going to be about me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you telling Cal that he's wrong? Well, in that case, then you are 18 minutes late, PJ. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't say anything bad about Cal, uh, Calvi after uh, Swami's performance with the picks last week. There is none more wrong. 
<laughs> and the answer is none more wronger. Than Count Broccoli. Yes. Well, while we got you, PJ, before we let you go, I want to uh, say one thing. Thank you for the lead uh, on that guy. I think we're going to take that up. Uh, PJ is working to get us a guest uh, for hockey who uh, runs uh, InsiderHockey.com or InsideHockey.com. So hopefully when we come back from the hiatus, we will have him. And, I'm using uh, my juice. That's right. Right. And uh, also, uh, PJ, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about real quick. Uh, you said that you DVR'd the Jet game. I sure did. So am I to understand you're now DVRing football games? Oh, yes. Listen, just because I don't fully understand the rules or the penalties, I mean, even Nick Folk doesn't understand all the rules. That's correct. doesn't mean I don't enjoy a game. And I am a fan. I'm a huge fan. I've always been a fan. I'm a big fan of the of uh, that conference of of the Bills and the Dolphins and the Jets and that other team I won't name. And once and once again you've expressed it as Bill Cosby. Thank you. <laughs> Pierre. Before we let you go, just give Dr. E. Ray a little Gallagher. He didn't hear it. <laughs> Absolutely not. You will have to. I'm going to tease that till next season. That's correct. Well, and also ne- next season we are going to be talking about Dick Button. That's right. Yes. Yeah. We uh, we have to, uh, Doctor Uray. We have to uh, do the broadcaster uh, podcast because PJ worked with Dick Button, a legend in figure skating. Uh, and if if, an if you will let me uh, submit a soundbite, I will also submit the famous Jim Nance thinks PJ is awesome soundbite, which I think <laughs> you right. heard. I have heard that. All right, Peach, we're going to run and finish up the doctor's in, but we'll talk to you soon, pal. Love you. Love you. Cal is wrong. Bye. Later. <laughs> that, is a, uh, that is a funny story. He actually has a soundbite. He worked with Jim Nance uh, doing post-production stuff at IMG, and Jim Nance said on the talkback, because PJ fixed something, PJ, you are in a class of one. You are awesome. That's great. And PJ saved it as a soundbite. <laughs> he nice. plays it for All right. So uh, thank you for the call, PJ from Jersey. We will talk to you in the new year. Back to The Doctor is In with Dr. Erase That. I believe we were talking about the Islanders. Sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna just well, nobody cares here. about hockey. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. So, so Sam P., let me ask you a question. King Felix wins the uh, Cy Young at 13 and 12. Is this the right call, or is this just a victory for all the stat nerds out there? <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's. I think it is the right call, and I think for years it's not just the sabermetrics movement or anything like that. Although that definitely plays a part in it. But I think for years, uh, the movement away from wins as a determining factor of who is a good pitcher, or the only determining factor uh, uh, as to who has had a good year as a pitcher, I think it's been happening for a long time. And I think this is just the culmination of where it should go. Because to me. Advanced metrics like ERA, uh, that's not an advanced metric, but uh, whip, innings pitched, hits against, strikeouts per nine, uh, balls in play, all these kind of advanced metrics are a better indicator of the year a pitcher had. And the Cy Young Award is not the MVP award. It's who had the best year as a pitcher, not who was the most valuable to his team. Uh, call me old-fashioned, but I like wins a lot. All right, Cash, we'll move Move on. Tiger Woods uh, is being eased back into society, released back into the wild, you could say. <laughs> he has stated that he's happier now. That's a big shock. Is he ready to win finally here? 
I, I could care less, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't care if he's happy. Well, no. I, That's the right you know, answer, by the way. Was, was I right? <laughs> yes, yes, correct. That's the right I, um, diagnosis. Is, is, is he ready to win? Maybe. Is he? I, if he's happy, that's great. You know, if he's, I guess, if you think about it, if he's happier, he's got more of a shot of winning now. So, more, more power to you, Tiger. Very nice. I think I, Tiger will win within the next two or three tournaments. There's no doubt about it. Sam Pete, uh, this is my last one here. Let me ask you a quick question. Michael Vick is getting a lot of press. You guys talked about it. He's now all of a sudden the unanimous, uh, you know, MVP, you know, uh, favorite front runner here. You think he continues his success and wins the MVP award? Wow, that is an excellent question, Ev. Seriously, I, I think you have a lot of uh, factors at play here. One of which is he is being, or he is very valuable to that team right now. As I said before, they're four and zero in games that he starts and finishes. Uh, I I think he can continue this. I mean, we, it's it's not like we've not seen Michael Vick do this before. Um, I, I think he can continue this. I think he's in a perfect offense for it. I think for the first time, maybe in his career as well, he uh, has the receivers, he has the running game, he doesn't have to be the entire running game, um, and he has a coach, I think, that, that fits him in, in uh, Andy Reid. So, yeah, I think he can continue it, and I think, you know, if he puts up performances like he had Monday night, which was literally Tech Mobile, uh you know, there's no reason he shouldn't be the MVP. Uh, he's he's a revelation for that team. And if they go 12 and four, and he goes, you know, uh, 11 and one as a starter or something like that, he has to be considered uh, for the MVP. That's the wrong diagnosis. I think Vic's downfall begins downfall begins this week against the Giants. Wow. So I've misdiagnosed the patient. That's a malpractice right. waiting to happen. <laughs> I didn't mean to flatline. Well, I, I guess that's all the time we have. Is that uh, is that all you have for the doctors in, pal? That's all I got. I love the doctors in, though. That was fun. That is all the time we have. But before we go, a couple of things. Number one, as you've heard a couple of times on this show, we're going to be on hiatus uh, for a couple of weeks, probably through the new year. We're going to come back with a retool, rebooted show. It's going to be the same old Cal Sampete Nev talking sports with you but uh, we'll probably have some more guests and uh, we're also redoing our entire website www.rtusports.com so check that out so really coming back with a reboot so uh, but please keep checking back in because we're going to do podcasts in that uh, time period we're going to do one on sports announcers probably do one on football etc uh, so please uh, check in and now I'd like to throw it uh, first to Dr. E. Ray Stad for a final unload Dr. E. Ray Yes, I'd like to invite you guys all to check out another great show on Blog Talk Radio, Hot Seat Sports. Uh, does a show at 9 p.m. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Check them out. They're pretty good. All right, and uh, and thank you for their support. And I've actually been uh, going back and forth with him a little bit on Twitter, uh, and he is doing a pretty good show. He's got some interesting topics that he's getting to, so uh, definitely check him out. And uh, <laughs> let's hear the song again. Cal, final unload of the season. My final unload is to just thank everybody that, that listened to us for the better part of the last year. Um, we appreciate all the support. We will be back after the year, um, bigger and better. We promise not to introduce a long-lost cousin to spice things up, though. I promise you. 
However, we may introduce a, a, a child in Brian Bonsall. I would, I would like to. My final unload is uh, to take that even further and to thank uh, uh, our wives, uh, Brian's uh, wife, Evan's wife, my wife, uh, for being fantastic for us. Uh, we started this on December 7th last year, so we went just about a year. We really only missed about four shows, uh, which is great. Uh, I'm having a blast doing this. Uh, so thank you to everybody who's listened and thank you to you two guys uh, for, for doing this with me every week and uh, really having a good time with it and we will be back in the new year so thanks to our wives, thanks to everybody who's called over the course of the year, the Arties, the Rick, uh, Ricky Ryans uh, uh, the Swami of course for calling every week and uh, we will definitely be back so thank you so much guys and uh, we'll see you in the new year Cal E-Ray, I'll see you guys when we do the podcast, all right? You got it. And uh, let's just play this. Hey, Dr. E-Ray, let's play this. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. All right, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you in the new year. Good night.